do it for, but God damn it, if we can't come out of a slow record, I don't understand it. Is Don on the phone? Okay, I want a goddamn concerted effort to come out of a record that isn't a fucking up-tempo record every time I do a goddamn death dedication. Now, make it, and I also want to know what happened to the pictures I was supposed to see this week. It's a god last goddamn time. I want somebody to use his fucking brain to not come out of a goddamn record that is, uh, that, that's up-tempo, and I gotta talk about a fucking dog dying. What is this fucking ponderous, man? Ponderous, fucking ponderous. This is Music Relish Podcast. Welcome to episode 26 of Music Relish Podcast on this January the 15th of 2023. It's Fun Day Sunday, hanging out with my best buds, Lou and Perry. How's it going, guys? Feeling groovy. Yeah, we're soulful tonight. All right. How was your week? I was feeling groovy the other night. Then she had to go home. <laughs> All right. Let's start off with a discussion of Bloister Cult. No, just joking. Um, yeah. No, 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 no. I'm... Yeah. So anyway, got a lot of good things to talk about tonight, as usual, as we always do. And we're going to end up talking too long. So we better get started, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So what's happening out there in the world of music? Tough week. I'm sure everybody listening knows. We had a we had a couple passings this week that were both surprises. Didn't uh you know, nobody predicted and mm-hmm. I guess for me the biggest was uh Jeff Beck passing. Um took me by total surprise. I thought it was a mm-hmm. cruel web joke when I saw it. And then once I've never seen more people on Facebook post about a guitar player or anybody. It was a huge amount of posts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, a lot of tributes out there for Jeff Beck. Yep. Very unexpected too. Like, you know, also I think it's just the way it happened, you know, it's kind yeah. of quick bacterial uh, meningitis. Yeah. yeah. Last week, um, I was with my son in the car and we heard one of his songs. It was from one of the George Martin produced records. And I, I told Louis, I said, that's Jeff Beck. You know, and he he knew him from the Yardbirds, what things he played, and uh, I said, you know, the drumming was great too. I don't know who the drummer was or what album it was, but um, Louis started Wikipedia Jeff Beck and what Yardbird songs he played on. They were my favorites. Mm. You know, yeah, the stuff yeah. that uh, that Jeff Beck played on. Or, um, I think I think he, I think he was the best guitarist of the Yardbirds. You know, yeah, he yeah. had he was the most unique. I mean. uh because Page really didn't hear much of Jimmy Page in the Yardbirds. It became the new Yardbirds very quickly. But uh, right. Jeff Beck, to me, was like, I like musicians that you can predict. So that's why I love Miles Davis, Wilco, Frank Zappa, Steve Vai. These are artists that you never know what they're going to hit you with coming out of left field. Hmm. And Jeff Beck, yeah. he had like a restless spirit. And this restless spirit, he got bored quick. Uh, he was always searching for something. And that gave us some great music because very different genres of music. I mean, one is it's yeah. the Holy Trio, Beck, Page, and and uh, Clapton. When Clapton was still playing blues, Beck was playing jazz. He just kept moving forward and moving forward. And right up to the end, I just love listening to his albums. He always gave you something fresh. Yeah. Not every album was, was, you know, he made some clunkers along the way, little things, but he was never afraid to experiment. And that's what I love about it. I love an artist that will experiment and, you know, 
I'm gonna we're gonna miss him. Well, his, he technique, came up with... his, his technique was so interesting. Yeah. Oh god. You know, yeah. the, he's you know, I mean, the king of the whammy bar. This guy, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and controlling the volume. Uh, uh, you know, the Stratocaster. The, you know, he you don't really notice it, but he's controlling the volume knob too. Yeah. Like, he's really good at it. Yep. And no. Pick. Also, considering the, where he came from and the background and the same bands that he was in, that he went into that jazz rock progressive area shows he was a little more of a, a little more of a, like a trailblazer i think than clapping you know they, they were blues devotees you know devotees whatever you know uh jimmy page and clapping where beck was his own thing mm-hmm. uh, my brother went to see a show uh, i guess in the 80s it was um eric johnson um stevie ray and um jeff beck and they said jeff beck was the best one mm-hmm. just kind of and i think he, he might have used the less contraptions i think as far as you know, pedal boards and effects and things like that were uh, Stevie Ray had quite a few. Uh, let's see. They couldn't see much of what Beck was playing through, but, you know, and is it true? He didn't play with a pick, right? No pick. Um, if you yeah. listen to him, he, he has in the past, but no, he, mm. he developed just to using his fingers. Yeah. Yep. Starting, I think yeah. around wired is when he started playing son's pick of, I'm, mm-hmm. I could be mistaken, mm. but, uh, What's amazing is if you listen to anything from the last 30 years, remember there's no pick, but you hear an attack like a pick because the side of his mm. thumb was so calloused it was as hard as a pick. So hmm. he was able to wow. like get, and I, I, took, I took a lot of influence from him because I would love to play without a pick. Him, Mark Knopfler, those two. I just, if you could yeah. be fluent without a pick, you don't have to worry about <laughs> losing a pick, right? <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I loved his sound. Very, like you said, Lou, I think he, when he played with Jimmy, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, he has he, very few effects. He did use effects at times, but his last 10 years, yeah, sure. he had a very Browns, I almost want to say Brown sound, but not so much like Eddie Van Halen, but I mm. take my Strat and I just distort it, and that's what he had. He had a very basic single coil distorted sound, which is really good. Mm. Yeah, but think about those old Yardbird songs. I mean, when, you know, uh, Heart Full of Soul, is that the song, right? Yeah. People remember that guitar intro and the yeah. guitar solo on that song. That's yep. what, you know, that's the first thing that comes to mind Yeah, is that Jeff Beck uh, playing. And also there was another Yardbird song. I don't know the name of it, but he was like, he, he wanted a guitar to sound like a sitar or something. Dun, 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 yeah, yeah. Hey. Yep. And he did. He was listening to some Middle Eastern music and, you know, sort of, uh, and, he, and he made the guitar sound like that. Very interesting. Very mm-hmm. creative. Yep. Yeah. And is it true that he was known as a pretty, like a lovely man, like a yes. really sweet guy? Yeah, I don't know. He was. Um, a, Rod, Stewart, Rod Stewart described him like this was something I read years ago. He goes, Jeff. He, he spoke so loving. He goes, he's just evergreen. That's the way Rod Stewart yeah. described and, him. And, and he was never apparently. You know, his from some know, documentary I saw on him, he didn't really care about the rock star thing although he no. always dressed up. <laughs> he always had his bedazzled wristbands on, and you know. Yeah. I mean, of course. You know, and his, and his boots, you know, I mean, he was, you know, that's when he did it. But, you know, he'll, he'd go on tour with Rod Stewart in America and he'd do a couple of shows. I'm not feeling it. I'm out. Yeah, you know, I'm mm-hmm. done. You know, yeah. Yeah. if I'm not feeling it, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. He marched to the beat so of his he, own yeah. drum. He did, he did what yeah. he wanted. Yep. He, 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 he could be mercurial or mercurial, as Jackson Brown said. Or Freddie Mercury. Mercurochrome. <laughs> Mercury and chromium. That's good for your, your bloodstream, by the way. Mercury and chromium. <laughs> <laughs> Methylate. Um, 
the other interesting thing about him was play with Mercury. He played with Mercury with his guitar. Yeah, he did. It was great. Now, um, <laughs> he he had to be dragged back several times to do music because his cars were like he had said in interviews he preferred working on cars rather than playing guitar. And mm-hmm. I think that he was probably yeah. so good at his instrument. Some people, when they're really good, they get bored. Um, and that may be why, again, like, why did he drop out of the Rod Stewart tour? He, you know, I don't want to play this. <laughs> he he was that good. Like, yeah. uh, but you know, if, if he, yeah. You know, he'd have to be talking to doing a record, like you know, like any of the other English bands. You know, like you know, like I don't want to go to the studio and do a record. Yeah. maybe next year I will. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly. And he knew album when he tour, album tour, album tour. Oh God, he didn't <laughs> want to do that. But I'd say the last fifteen years, ten years, he did tour a lot more, and maybe it was money. I don't know, but I got to see him in Englewood, New Jersey which amazed me that somebody would be at a small theater. And then I took my son to see him. Thank God he played and he had buddy guy opening. Um, so my son got to see him and I'm glad just, Hey, he was, he was older, but we just thought he was like Jimmy and what Page. What was right? he playing Jimmy? when you saw him? The Stratocaster? He was playing yeah, the Stratomacaster? Yeah. The yeah. last, last, I'd say 10, 15 years, it was just strats. And um, nothing. Yeah, he went to Lust Bowl in the seventies, right? Yeah. And nothing, nothing Although fancy. I did see him. Uh, it might, I saw him at. Did you ever see his, uh, the Les Paul tribute? No, I've and never seen a, that. It was at a club, no. and Jeff Beck was there, and he and he did. Uh, they did that uh, Les Paul Mary uh, Ford song, you know, that big popular one with the layering of the layering and the layering of the vocals. Yes, yeah, and it, hmm. it was quite good, quite good. Yep. So obviously, yeah. he played a Les Paul then. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't he playing a Les Paul on the cover of? Yes. What's the one? The wired. one from the seventies. Uh, yeah. Wired, yeah, yeah. Is is, is he playing a blow by blow? Blow by blow. One sorry. of those, yeah. 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 Blow by blow. My bad. my brother, my brother had those records. Um, I, I like them. I remember it's like there's no vocals. It's instrumental. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Rock, you know? Yep. But 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 it wasn't overblown. I mean, there's some people like, um, even like Joe Satriani. Mark, we've talked about. Joe Satriani before too, where like, he's very he's a real technician. Beck was soul, yeah, yeah. Beck had, and I, he, I, I he had feel. Part, you could feel it feel. when he yeah. plays. And not that Joe Satriani or those other players are they're not great players, and they have their own moments of you know. Right. There's something about about Beck's playing where it's like his yeah. guitar didn't overtake the other band. Like the one one song Lou and I heard, I don't know the name of it. The drums were amazing, mm-hmm. but so was yeah. the guitar. Yeah. And I don't know who played bass or keyboards, but. It was a George Martin production, but the, the way it worked in his guitar virtuosity didn't overblow the amazingness of the other musicians, you know? Yeah. Yep. Um, a perfect, a perfect example cool. of his not playing too much is his version of Goodbye Pork Pie Hat, the Charles Mingus song, and it's on Wired, the mm-hmm. album that came after Blow, Blow, Blow by Blow. He's playing so controlled, he gets a moment of feedback, and he just tames it as the feedback comes in. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, yeah. Yeah. I saw him play uh, that with that bass player Tall, that that uh, Tal young Wackenfield. lady Tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's mm. she's really good. She's on yep. her own now. Yeah. Um. Uh. He he went through all these phases, but you know, my I think that I enjoyed him more after from the nineties on. For, for personally, for me, as much as I love the old stuff. Mm. That's what hit me. He was getting, right. he was taking his jazz influences. He was bringing rock and even experimented with industrial sounds. Yeah. He wasn't afraid to hear in there. He's a drum machine, but he always had a damn good drummer. Almost metal. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. just one yeah. of those, he's just one of those guitar players that you can't, 
not watch when he's playing. I know. You just can't not watch, look at the guy in amazement. Yep. But uh, there's another side to him besides his solo stuff that, you know, maybe you're aware that he's done a lot of sessions work. A lot. More than you'd think for someone of his stature. He was never afraid to play on. He never thought he was too good to play on someone's album. But his first Mm -hmm. session, he played on Stevie Wonder on his uh, album Talking Book. He played on Looking for Another Pure Love. Very good album track. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you hear it. He does that classic descending flurry in the solid. I can't mimic it, but uh, once you hear it, if you know him, you know it was him. Then he... um, (laughs) He famously did a couple Stanley Clark albums. He played with him, and that was in the mid-'70s when he was into his total fusion. Yep. So, uh, yeah, he played that. Then, um, just among things, so, you know, uh, Tina Turner, Private Dancer. He was on that song, and that was a huge hit. And I just just found out today that that song was written by Martin Knopfler. Yeah, that's right. So He he produced the album, too, right? Is that what you said? No, no. uh, Not the producer. No, he, he just wrote Hine? the song. He wrote it for the album Love Over Gold, didn't want to use it, and then he gave it to okay. Tina Turner. So. Okay. And um, didn't he do that Rod Stewart, uh, People Get Ready? Didn't he do the guitar yeah. solo on that? So that was on his album. The one, the that one album. On, that was on Jeff Beck's record? Yeah, and it's the one oh, album nice. I can't listen to, Flash. I just can't. It's the best song on the album. The rest of it I have trouble with. <laughs> that's really? his clunk, that, to me, that's his clunker. <laughs> Um, <laughs> what's the album has fascination on it? Infatuation. Well, that, that's uh, he was on. So the year before, he was on Rod Stewart's Camouflage album, and he played on Infatuation. He also played on two other songs on the album, but that's a great song, Infatuation. Right. And it, uh, it, it is a good song. The guitar is good too. It's, it's a kind of metal almost. It's kind of yeah, yeah. Infatuation. And he has that Charvel. He would, that's what he was using back then. So it was like a heavy metal looking guitar. And in the video, I love the rice cream cakes. And he, in the video, he's looking like he doesn't like he looks bored doing the video. Like he's just sitting there because he's, you know, he's playing along to a track and he just puts <laughs> his guitar all yeah, over. Yeah. <laughs> um, hmm. A couple other things. So he appeared on a couple of Mick Jagger solo albums. In fact, on Primitive Cool, he was on every song. Uh, but this is the one that surprised me when it happened. Remember when John Bon Jovi did Blaze of Glory, the the soundtrack? He was on most of that album. He was John Bon Jovi's guitar player. Including that big song, Get Out, Blaze of Glory. That's him. He... Wow, the the song that Persa says, "Lay me down in a bed of broccoli." There you go. <laughs> That's Jeff Beck on guitar. Yeah, yeah and on a bunch of really? other songs on that album. I schooled you. <laughs> Lay me down in a bed of broccoli. <laughs> um. Of course, he had almost like he was on a hit. Actually, Buddy Guy had the Mustang Sally. That was almost a legitimate hit. He was on that. But my favorite session work of his, Roger Waters, Amused to Death. If you ever listen to that, well, you are, but I didn't say that. Um, He's all over that album. And he was Roger Waters, Virtuoso, and they clicked. That was perfect. That That's a great album. Mm. Play, he appeared on a oh, Kate cool. Bush album. He appeared on with paul rogers on a tribute album you know this is this got me i didn't know about this in 1999 he played on a zz top album he did a song called hey mr millionaire and they fit really good they mix very good wow 
Uh, yeah, well, they, uh, you know, I mean, I saw something where, uh, you know, Billy Gibbons <clears throat> brought out Jeff Beck, you know, so they, yeah, these guitar players, all, they all you know, out. they admire yeah. each other and they help each other out. And... Yep, exactly. Uh, he was on a Pretenders it's, album. It's a cool club they belong to. Oh, it's mm-hmm. the best. Yeah. Yeah. And Billy Gibbons, even though he's American, he came, he's, he's younger than Beck and Page and Clapton, but almost not much younger, you know, he mm. started out maybe five years later than them, you know. Um, he was good friends with Chrissy Hind, played with her on, hmm. uh, on their album, uh, Viva El Amor. And it's a good song, Legalize Me. And then he joined her for another mm-hmm. song from a, uh, a tribute to Sun Records. He played on Good, uh, Mystery Train. He played with Joe Cocker in 2004 on an English language cover of the Italian staple. I'm going to say it wrong, Lou. Uno de tanti. Sounds good to me. I who have nothing. Yeah. I who have nothing. Okay, yeah, yeah. And he, yeah, it's a good, it's a good track. I'm, I was listening to all this stuff today. Yardbirds reunited. I'm sure there's many in a Tallow Rock version of that. Oh yeah. Well, well, we're we're getting we're almost there. <laughs> Yardbirds. He was on their ref, uh, the album when they reformed in 2003. Wasn't crazy about that album, but um, hmm. he had this young singer that he used, Imelda May. She's an Irish singer. She's really good. I highly advise checking her out. He played on her album. Then in 2020, he played on Dion's album, the Wanderers Blues with Friends album. And he played on one song called Can't Start Over Again. And then right in the past year, he's really won a big session. He played on Ozzy Osbourne's new album. He played on Patient Number 9. Yeah. It's a great old school melodic metal song. I, I really love the song, mm-hmm. and he's good on it. Um, and then he stopped. His last concert was two months ago. So. It's like, boom, he's done. Right. He did the tour with Johnny Depp, you know, and he's gone. Uh. Well, enjoy every sandwich. And what about uh, what about Lisa Presley? She was a recording artist, right? Yeah. She did, she did T-Bone Burnett produced one of her records. She, apparently she was pretty good. Yeah. Can't she say was. I've ever heard one of them, but. Yeah. Me too. I, I haven't heard it. And then she was known more for her Michael Jackson connection. I mean, the the whole celebrity thing maybe overshadowed what artistry she had. I, I don't know anything. I Honestly, I don't know what, I don't know if I really remember hearing anything she's done. I heard a couple but, songs here and there. I liked her voice. Um, hmm. You know, there was this, when she first got, had that first album come out, I was like, all right, is she celebrity or is she a true artist? I considered her a true artist, yeah. but, you know, she got <clears> into the, the gossip stuff because she's elvis presley's daughter yeah apparently uh, she no, sure. wrote a lot of songs for those Grace records line. too she wrote songs that's key mm-hmm. see she wrote her own songs yeah. a lot of them yeah her father didn't them. elvis didn't write shit <laughs> that's right did he write in the ghetto no. nope nope mac davis mac davis yeah oh. um she was 53 i believe would he be called mac daddy davis now if he came around <laughs> big mac daddy so uh yeah so yeah so, jeff so, beck what was he 78 years old right he was pushing 80 yeah yeah mm-hmm. so yeah. the holy trinity we have clapton and page left <laughs> that was to me growing up that was the holy trinity those three guitar players really yeah Did you see the clip i sent you of them meeting the queen yeah yeah and she had no jeff- idea who jeff beck was no idea <laughs> well i i think i hear she had no page idea saying- who any of them were yeah, because you know? Paige goes. She went. To, Paige she says, went to Brian May. 
No, go ahead, Mark. Uh, she, she, yeah. Paige was like, "I'm a guitar player." Like she, no. Yeah. Brian May <laughs> he said, "I'm a guitar- he- No, he said, "I'm a guitarist." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brian May was actually then- the ambassador for the three of them because he had, he's got culture. He's got, you know, he's 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 a rock scientist. The band was called. The band's called Queen. She probably heard that, you know. <laughs> That's why she was probably talking to him a little bit, you know. But then, you know, he, he went over and Eric Eric Clapton says, Eric Clapton, I'm a guitarist also. <laughs> and then, of course, you have to, uh, you know, announce yourself. You have to introduce yourself to the Queen. Wow. Yeah. Good. And now Lord and Lady Douchebag. <laughs> I remember one time, and like that's what I love about Australians. You know, you, decades ago, the Queen went to Australia, and like whoever the Prime Minister of Australia was, like patted her on the back, and like <laughs> you do not touch the Queen, like stop the and they're Queen. like fuck you, we're Australian, go yeah, fuck really. yourself, you know. <laughs> we're even ruder than Americans. Imagine Johnny Rotten meeting the Queen. Oh, I, didn't he? Got to a point where I, he he's changed respect, his stance he on the royal family. He, he changed his stance on a lot of things. You know, he became yeah. respectable. He well, he's a survivor. You know, yeah, nothing wrong with being a survivor. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys, where talent. do you want to go, man? <clears throat> you want to do the Camper Van Beethoven Key Lime Pie? Sure, sure. Why not? Absolutely. Okay. This this was my album pick to talk about. Um, it is an album by the band Camper Von Beethoven from originally from, I think, uh, wait, Redlands, California, by then he went to Santa Cruz in San Francisco. Um, Santa Cruz, that's surfing country, man. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, yeah, so that actually Redlands is, is in San Bernardino, uh, County. San Bernardino is where the original McDonald's restaurant was huh. before they put on a truck and moved it. Um, so yeah, this is, I think, actually, I don't know what, what album, this is like their fifth album, whatever. They, it came out in 1989. Um, they broke up in 1990. They reformed after that. But it, it's just a record. I, I just dug it up recently. I was, I'm a fan of the band. Mm-hmm. And um, it's very different than the early stuff. This is a band, like a lot of these alternative bands, when they start off in these fledgling careers, you can see them build up and change and grow or whatever. Yep. Just do different things as they go along, so. Um, the album was produced by a guy named Dennis Herring, who produced the previous album, uh, My Beloved Revolutionary Sweetheart, or Our Beloved Revolutionary Sweetheart. Uh, another great album. Um, this, it's kind of cool. It, they were such a very eclectic band. You know, they encompassed like pop, ska, alt rock, um, all country. Yeah, all psychedelia. Yeah, very, very widespread band. Um, Dennis Leary is the uh, singer. And, oh, one of the guitar players uh, who went on to form Cracker after the band broke up, but he's oh, really? very literate in his lyrics. You know, yeah, yeah, yep. Um, you said you said Dennis O'Leary, the comedian. You meant like David, right? And then... I said, did I say Dennis? Leary? Yeah, <laughs> I, I meant David Lowry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got your shiny people here. You got your happy people over here. <laughs> Dennis, Dennis Leary had the. You're an David asshole. Lowry. You're an asshole. You're an Thanks asshole. Thanks for correcting me. Oh man, that would be your, <laughs> be your attraction. Well, he wrote some pretty literate lyrics. He's a, he's a smart lyricist, you know. And one of those yeah. voices, too, like, you know, not everyone's going to love the guy's voice, but I do. I just think they're a great band. Um, yeah, so there's even elements of, of, of prog on this record. So this was their kind of a pinnacle record. Then they broke up 
1990. I think they did. They did a record called they called it Tusk. In I think in 2002. I don't. But um, their big comeback album or reform was a New Roman Times. Well, they recorded uh, the Fleetwood is, Mac record. Tusk. They actually covered the they covered the record. Yeah. yeah. Yes, the whole record. And did the, you ever hear? The yeah. bass player said. Did, the bass player said some people in a group record? don't like Tusk, but we thought we could improve on it. That's a little ballsy to say. Wow. You know? <laughs> Have you listened to it? Parts of it. A uh, very unique version of Sarah. That's a very unique version. Okay. Yeah. I, I haven't. I haven't. I just, uh, oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. Worth listening. Worth checking I had out. New, I, I had New Roman Times, but I never, I never checked. Uh, you know, it's funny. I've been listening to a little bit of Tusk, the Fleetwood Mac, a little bit at a time because I never listened to the whole record. Mm. Um, it's good. Yeah, it is. It's a lot to digest. All right, so, so, Camper Van Beethoven, Key Lime yeah, Pie. Yep. So, uh, now, now Perry and I are familiar with this record, but Mark, I mean, this was your first time listening. So, what do you think? My first time hearing this record and anything from Camper Van Beethoven, because Perry used to mention them when we worked together at the laundromat, but I never heard them. I actually thought they were just some kind of, I thought they were fluffier than what I heard. So I put the thing on and I go, it opens with an instrumental. I love any band that yeah. opens their album with an instrumental. It's a good car. Oh, album. they have the, the, their opening theme, right? Yeah. The, the yeah. Opening theme, yeah. yeah. By the time yeah. just track after track comes in. Yeah. Well, here it is. My. Very ethnic. Very. Almost Reminds like me of something the December gypsy like. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Every song was unique on this album. Every song. Initially, the ones that stood out to me would be um, If I Win the Lottery. Love the lyrics. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But every yeah. song is, <laughs> when you hear an album sometimes, the first time you hear it, it doesn't hit you. So first time I heard it, the first thing I said, wow, every song has its own character, which I like. The production. Every song is completely different. Yeah. Yes. Completely yes. different from the one prior well, to well, it. Yeah. Uh, and When I Win the Lottery, um, he mentions I can get to a fight any bar. The lyrics of this song are, those are fighting words if you say this to the wrong person at the wrong bar. Yeah. Losing, you know, about war and who you've killed yep. and not killed and stuff yeah, like that. Yep. But like, it's kind of like, you know, a little layer upon layer there. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, like I said, the, the, the sound on it, the production is, <laughs> to me, is top, top rate. And the drums you sound like good. It? Everything the drums sound, sound fantastic. Of course, yeah. they know yeah. how to make. I, they know how to make records. Yeah, Perry, yeah, we, we used to talk about, it, and when that album came out, we said we liked the sound of those drums. Yeah, um, that drummer's his name is Chris Peterson, and we were wondering if, he, if he's the same Chris Peterson that was in Platoon. I would not claim that. No, I would. <clears> no, be careful it, it, we were to claim just, that. It, yeah, no, no, we're. we're I would no. We're not saying it was. Yeah. I was. I was wondering if it was because Corey, uh, right. the guy from um, Living in Living Color, Corey the singer. Corey Glover. Anyway, so he's in that movie, but Craig Glover, yeah. But um, yeah, I just wonder if it was, but yeah, yeah, it great, could great be. Client. Who knows? You know, uh, yeah. you know. There's uh, he, if if it is him, he was the one that goes. Why do we always got to get fucking ambushed? Right? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. There's there's some like the record has like there's a song on there called Sweethearts. It's a lovely song. 
It's yeah. a nice little song, Sweethearts. Well, right? it's, it's a lovely melody and stuff, but, you know, the lyrics are, <laughs> you know, buildings collapse in slow motion. Yeah, in the yeah, I know. Ronald it's Reagan. got something to do with the Ronald Reagan thing, you know. And, uh, oh, yeah, it, it sounds yeah. nostalgic. Well, it's, it's, it's a nostalgic picture leading yeah. up to the end where it's basically, this, is, yeah. you know, this, this album came out in the Reagan years. Yeah. Um, which spawned Tail a lot end. of alternative rock. Yeah. yeah, but it, yeah. It, it's a, the guitar playing is beautiful on it. Um, you know, well, after the opening theme, the song Jack Ruby, you know, the, actually, that's the second song on the record. Um, and another great, that's a great story, great lyrics, great, great picture painting. Rock and, and riff, man. Let's hear the rock, rock and, and riff, riff called Jack Ruby, all right? Yeah. We saw on the screen his face for a moment. No time. To plead or even ask why. Oh, yeah, man. They're rocking. Yeah. 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 Uh, the uh, producer, Dennis Herring, he's done a lot of alternative rock, but um, uh, he worked with Modest Mouse a lot. But great sound. I mean, that's one thing. You know, this. It, 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 it's kind of dry. The sound is dry, but it's it's big. You can hear all the stuff. You know, the, the bass. Yeah. I love the bass sound. The great great musicians. Yeah, and it's so unlike anything Bon Jovi would do. Yeah. At, at that time, you know, it's funny because if you look at their early career, like um, the first record, Good Guys, Bad Guys, it, it, it's kind of like they were called like skater punk, you know, like ska pop. But they were one of the first bands to be called alternative. Mm. They were one of the first bands where that alternative rock term came to. Yeah. Do you know that? I mean, I was that what they were about. And great they're, guitar they're, playing, great yeah. riffs. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, great, great lyric writing. Uh, the yeah. lyrics on this album are friggin' amazing. Let's this hear is, a little bit of. Uh, let's hear a little bit of when I win the lottery. Well, I lost an eye in Mexico. Lost two teeth where I don't know. People see me coming and they move to the other side of the road. Got me a shack at the bottom of the road, fixing cars and giving toes. Spend all my money on the lottery. <laughs> it, it, it has an apocalyptic doomsday scenario. You know, when, when the end comes to this old world, the rats will, <laughs> the rest will starve and the rats will rise up or something. But great writing. Yeah. Great yep. writing. And think about when I win the lottery. Like you don't win a lottery. You're not, you know, you're not, you're not supposed to win the, the big mega thing, the Powerball. You're not supposed to, but if you do, it's well, kind of a dark record. Well, now, uh, the the, the, rest, the next song was originally called "I Was Born in a Textile Maintenance Facility," but they decided to change it to "Laundromat." Yeah. That's our theme song. Another good song. <laughs> it's full of good songs. It's one of those yeah. records that you can just, you know, it's like uh, like XTC, English Settlement. Every song yeah. is good and different yeah. than the one yes. before it. Right. And some of these songs, like, that song tells a story. It's kind of a on the other side of the track story. You yeah. Know, born in the cul-de-sac, the queen of the trailer park. You know, it's like the same thing with when I win the lottery. You know, this guy's not living the high life. You know, it's definitely darker street-level tales. Gritty. Yeah, yep. Let's hear a little bit of uh, Sweethearts. Sweetheart. Cause he's always living back Great in drum Dixon. sound. 
And, Great. and also, the, um, really... the, the drums are bombastic compared to the song. They're big. You, it, you wouldn't think They're that big. would work in a production like that. Like, I got this song and you play the chorus. Yeah. Now we're going to make the drums bombastic. They sound great. <laughs> yeah. 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 And the, uh, the, the violin on, on the record is great, too. I, yeah. I think that's very good because I've known the band so long. I didn't look up the names of the musicians. I know, like, Victor Kumanaker is the bass player. Um Mrs. O'Leary's cow is the lead vocalist. <laughs> David it's, Lowry it's, is the lead It's just vocalist. an interesting record. For instance, yeah. there's a song called The Humid Press of Days, mm-hmm. right? Now, that's a this is a pretty heavy, dark... Uh... What did it mean to fly a tremor in your soul? Be the last... And, you know, I mean, a rocking song like that, and it's got violin in it. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's heavy, and the, the, the drums are even bigger on this one. And they're, they're loud. Yeah, yeah. This is loud. And interesting, but, like, you know, Mark, you made a good point. Like, for some reason, it didn't overpower the, the song. So there's, the producer must have said, you can jack the drums up on this, whatever, but every instrument is is, is playable and hearable. Yeah. Um, that, that's very Beatles guitar line on there, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. Yeah. yeah. Just a great record overall. Yeah. Do you have any other other samples of any other songs? Nope. Okay. Um, now this song. Now, although it's it's a good hit, the record's known. People might know this from their cover of Pictures of Matchstick Men. The Curse. And, yeah. Yeah, but it, it, I mean, it got the record notice and stuff like that. We, uh, Perry, you and I saw them on this tour, right? We saw them at at the New Ritz. Mm-hmm. The Curse. Uh, yeah. yeah. But that was a great show. Um, hearing them play songs from this record in a, in a club was was fantastic. One, it's still one of the best shows I've ever seen. Well, I've not know, seen the, a million the, shows, the, but the Rolling Stone magazine crowd that was there only reacted when they did Matchstick Men. So you yeah, know, that's uh, yeah, that tells you who they are. You know, <laughs> who else? We, we saw also it was uh, Sid Straw played that night, and someone else I can't remember. Sid Straw might have been the opening act, right? Yeah, yeah. I think there was two two opening acts, but I, I can't remember the other one. But, yeah, yeah, I was high on weed then, so I don't know. <laughs> I found this thing called Ecstasy back then. I don't know. I've never... Uh... <laughs> no. I've seen people on it way back when. I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, okay. Well, me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> The only thing I'm fucking is my mind. Yeah, so uh, I think it's the record is just, uh, I know the record inside out. I mean, it's just the, yeah. Mark, as so, a novice with this so record, Key Lime Pie. I always, when you mentioned Camper Van Beethoven, and I heard about him when they we were out, mm-hmm. and I went, they must be a pop band, because back then my tastes were different, and I ignored them. To my detriment, I should have paid attention to them. I would have bought that CD. It would have been in my car for years just playing constantly mm. incidentally i go to look the thing up on spotify most of the album is not yes. available i go on That's amazon right. a cd will cost you like 60 bucks and it's like really? it's really if anyone out I'll there listening a has a copy <laughs> of this if anyone has it save it because it's a collect obviously i think they're going to re-release it if they pull it off of uh spotify 
So, but the day wow. it comes out, like the as soon as I can get a copy on CD, I'm ordering that because. But it's not it's to a, your detriment. You you caught up with it now. You know, I mean, you know, you it's still there. It's yeah. Not, you know. Well, it's just like with uh, John everything when it comes when it gets released. No. No, it's something you can't hear something soon enough. Like there are bands I wish I'd discovered at one point. Like you know, yeah. when I was missing something, or like you'd say, I wish I would have heard that yeah. band or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you go, Mark, if you go back to the earlier stuff, it's it's very different, kind of quirky, very pop. Um, yeah. Some fun. Take the skinhead bowling. That was the big thing that got them noticed initially. That was like a little like a skate. Well, that's when they were skater, skater punk punks. Songs. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's it's still a, a catchy song, and their first album is great. Um, LBJ's Cadillac. <laughs> Gonna drive my Cadillac off the bridge. I'll tell you I what. I do have one more track by them. <clears throat> no, go ahead, Mark. Um, I oh, wait. Think... Go ahead, uh, McDervish. McDervish who? Cahoots. <laughs> McDervish Cahoots. <laughs> I think. I think that a band I could tell you that I think they influenced would be the Decembrists because I'm I'm a kind of a Fairweather <laughs> fan of that oh, band. Would be surprised. A lot of the stuff I hear from them, and I'm trying to find the album, and I can't remember, but especially there's one album of theirs that definitely sounds that was in, they were, you know. Um, the What I like about the production, and when we reviewed um, way back uh, The Lost Years from John Prine, and I ordered the CD because it was so good, that's why I know when I get the CD of this, it's going to sound really good on my sound system or with, with headphones. It's, it's so well mixed. Mm. It's the mixing. It's every instrument has ambience. What, key lime pie? Yeah. I'll it's one of the best sounding albums. I'll give you a copy of it. We do not condone I'll bootleg a copy worlds. of it for you. <laughs> burn it. Burn it, baby. Burn it. Burn this thing. Burn, baby, burn. Yeah. The CDs. I, I, I have an original copy. Keep uh, it. I, I might have a collector's item. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the one I listened to when I, I, I was digging, reorganizing. I'm like, key lime pie. Yeah, so I think it's a great record overall. Yeah. I did Top to bottom. I, I, First I, I, song to the last. It's one of those desert yep. island records. Take it in, yeah. you know. Yep. Take it everywhere even, except the bathroom. Yep. Even this song, um, um, her, her favorite fruits. There's some very melancholy stuff on here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. She serves him peppered steak with corn. I mean, who who puts that in the song? They do. <laughs> they do. They do, yeah. Doing what they yeah. want, man. You know, not conforming right. to, uh, you know. Oh the, yeah. By the way, the album I, I that I this album is a high war it's a high water mark. Yeah. Hmm? The album that I think that it reminded me of from the Decembers is an album called The Hazards of Love. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but I recommend listening to it. It's a great album. And especially well, they're all that contemporaries last... too. I mean, right? well, yeah, I think the Decembers well, came the, a lot December's to later. Are a little, little little newer. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think the Decembers owe a lot to REM. I hear a lot of REM in them. Yeah. Good point. Or um, but that's, your mom that then. last song that Perry played, uh, what's the name of it? Humid, uh, humid days. Humid or days. days. That is like that. That's why I, right away I said that's the hazards of love. Like there's that plotting sound, hmm. you know, very very dark yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. I give it a I give it a B, and I've only heard it straight through three times, so I'm sure it's going to elevate from cool. that. It's fabulous. Yeah. And I can't give it a review because I know the album top to bottom. So, you know, yeah, so, uh, it's for, a keeper. For me, it's, it's, for me, it's an A plus because every song is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because I've, I've lived with it for a long time. And that was the time when that record came out. Like, I wanted to hear, 
it's a record I wanted to hear when it came out, and I was yep. bummed out when they broke up after that. You're like, well, don't a figure, you know. You can't you can't expect your bands, to stay. you know, being in bands, and you know, it's just yeah. they come and go and grab what you can. Well, I bought New Roman Times, their Good comeback, stuff. and it, yeah, they didn't miss a step. No, they mm-hmm. didn't. They yep. did not. Yep, they're great. I, I like I like Cracker too. Um, not everything, but. A totally, a totally different thing with Cracker, yeah. a little more straight ahead. I think David Lowry was thinking, or I remember he was saying, are we becoming like a prog band? Are we ELP? Or are we like, you know, what, you know, what was the, the you know, the, the give and take there? So yeah. Cracker being most like a country, old, old country band based out of Virginia. But uh, their first album's really good. Jim Keltner's on the first Cracker record. Yeah. Really? I don't know. I don't know if he's on Teen Angst. Yeah. He's on Happy Birthday. Happy birthday to me. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a funny song. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, Camper Van Beethoven, happy uh, Key Lime Pie from 1989. Pie. Thanks Check for introducing me. record. Yep. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Appreciate it. For, they were on Virgin Records, too, weren't they? Yes, they were. Yeah. Virgin Records, yep. yep. You guys, every album that you've introduced me, first of all, you guys have picked out, with the exception of John Prine, I heard part of it. Every Most every other album you guys have picked, I've really never heard before. So this is great. I'm loving this. I get cool. hearing stuff oh, cool. I never would have heard before. Yeah, you caught up with it. Yep, that's cool. Yeah. Yep. Music, music, music. There's so well, much. What do you guys want to do, man? You want to yeah. do some we'll random, never, we'll uh, never hear enough. You want to do some random relish? Or do you want to play. Identify that riff. Let's play a game. You want yeah. to play a game? You want to play Identify that riff? After, Monday, yeah, Sunday. after our academic discussion of an album. All right, yeah, so what I'll fun. do is I'll give you a point if you guess the band and another point if you guess the song. Okay. Okay? Mm-hmm. So here comes... Uh... Wait, Perry. You, yeah, you have to yeah. play the whole riff first, and then we guess. I'm we gonna, of course, it. I'm going to play the riff. Yeah, okay. and let the let our listeners play along too before we. Uh, okay, so here it is. Here's the first riff. Identify that riff. I know Can you it. identify that riff and the artist. I know. Mark? It. No. Penny for your thoughts, Peter Frampton. Mark? Penny for your thoughts, Peter, Peter Frampton. Frampton. Yep. No, had no yeah. idea. That was Two from, uh, I think it was from the Frampton album. Yep. And he one, played it, you know, where he, uh, he, he played it twice as fast on Frampton Comes Alive. He really sped it up. Hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And he, I heard him interviewed one time and he was talking about how the tuning for that he got from george harrison it might have been the same tuning that george harrison used for um hmm. you know uh what's that big hit uh here comes the sun mm. that's yeah. funny at first i thought it was um maybe tangled up in blue without something removed from it but, it, but once, once it got into yeah. the song i had no clue yep mark that was a, that was a frampton song yep. i've tried to play it i can't okay. play it Okay, here comes another one now. Okay. Can you name the band and the name of the song on this one? All right. Here comes the riff. (laughs) 
What do you think? I, I can guess the Lou? band, but not the song. Don't know. All right. Can you can you uh, can you guess the band, Lou? No. Mark. I don't, well, Creedence Clearwater Revival. No, I was, I, yeah. It was Creedence Clearwater Revival. I just heard that guitar. I said, that's Creedence. I don't know the song. The song is called Keep on Chuglin. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I blurted it out. <laughs> <laughs> what, you said that? I was about to say, I, I started to say Keep on Chuglin. Oh, you, that you was it. it. You got it. All right. So you, right. Got, you got that one. Keep the on Chuglin. Hollow Victory. Yep. Now I got to find another one here. Uh, let's see. Chug-a-lug by the Eagles from Desperado. No, no. Let's see. All right, here, here's another intro for. Can you, can you guys identify that riff? Identify that riff. Goosebumps. <laughs> yes. Can you? <laughs> Identify that riff. Yes. Yes. It's I bread. think me and Luke got it. It's Y from Holy Toast. Why? <laughs> and what's the name of the song? Why? Who's on second? If from Bread. Song is called Why? If. Song is called If. if. No, yeah. Goosebumps what is the, time, the, definite, the definition of if is what? If is the middle word in life. <laughs> wow. He's a great man. That's I'm a little man. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm feeling down. <laughs> I went Dennis Hopper there, man. All right, here we're we're gonna we're gonna hey, pick man. it up now. Now, hey, man, I'll need the name of the band and the name of the song on this one too. Okay, the name of the band will probably come somewhat easily, but let's just do it. Chicago. Chicago. They're a wonderful band. I'm so happy. Mark? I agree with Lou. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Uh, that was called Make Me Smile. Make Me Smile. That's right. Yeah. Never following man. you again, Lou. Whatever. You were uh, yeah. fabulous. Uh, that's the same song. I'm so happy when make me. That's the same song. Well, in in the defense of you I, guys, I that's Fuck a it. common Chicago intro. But, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. So it could have been quite a few other Chicago songs. Is it make me smile? I'm so happy. The same thing. <laughs> make me smile. I'm so happy. <laughs> okay, thing, can right? you guys Whatever. identify <laughs> this riff? Probably not. <laughs> Okay. Can I name the band and Mark name the song and we both get two points for this? Yes. Grateful Dead. Friend Mark. of the Devil. The Grateful Dudes. Friend of the Devil. Hearing Great that song. bass come in kind of off kilter, that bass doesn't come in too good, right? It kind of like, oh, it's falling apart. 
Yeah, that was uh, – I kind of like that one too. I kind of like mm-hmm. the, the bass on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the original title was Friend of Mephistopheles, but it's such a mouthful. <laughs> you can't sing it when you're high as a kite. <laughs> <laughs> I am the friend only grateful – Mephistopheles is a friend of mine. <laughs> I'm the only Grateful Dead fan that drinks while listening to the dead. <laughs> Mark, I have to, as long as I may interlude for interjective, I heard Terrapin Station, the song, on the car yesterday. The drums are amazing. Yeah. Uh, the production, we talked about Keith, was it Keith Olsen? Mm-hmm. We, we spoke about him last week because mm-hmm. um, he produced last week's album, which was what? <laughs> Memories. Who did, who did last week's album? It was you, Mark, wasn't it? No. It was uh, Buckingham Knicks. It was Perry. Perry. Buckingham, that, and it was produced by Keith Olsen. But, yeah. Um, the song Terrapin Station, it's very different. Perry, have you ever heard it? Not a dead fan. I will have no I'm, pause I'm, to listen to it. Yeah. I, I'm not either. It was on the radio. You'd be surprised. This is something totally hey, different. Hey, I may come I was, across it one day. I may have orca- heard it in the past. It's, orchestra- it's orchestral. Hey, hey, Perry. Let's just say I went out of my way to listen to it. Don't shut your mind down. That's just because it says Grateful Dead. I ignored Camper Van Beethoven because of their name. That album is their slick album, though. It is that Terrapin well, Station. Well, yeah, you have to slick. step out of your bubble, this whole, this whole... man. You have to step out of your blues to call yeah. Emerson Lake and Palmer bubble. I mean, well, come man, on, you need man. To step you into to, the Grateful you know? Dead bubble, Perry. Yeah, well, um, I, I, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm not a fan. I, I like those two recorded albums, but this was something I listened to, to it. The sound of it, I'm like, this was really well recorded and produced. Like, not like their usual studio stuff, which I, the, the modern day studio right. stuff, I don't really that care for. I'll buy it anyway. It's a good song. I don't like the sound of it, but this, this, this recording on this production was amazing. The, the, the problem I always had with cr- the dead was that there was no separation. It just seemed like yeah. all, like everybody's playing in one room all together. Everything's just bleeding together. That yeah. was the problem I had with, uh, with their records. I'm a fucking deadhead now. Okay. <laughs> well, how about this? No, I, 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 I can't, I, I can't wait. I, I respect them and I like some of the stuff, but I can't wait to sing. That was, I that was something I showed. That was another. Uh, it's a side to them I never saw before. You know, yeah. so bravo. I love those stories. I love reading books about them and you know and the hate mm-hmm. and you know I hate Ashbury and all that stuff. I was there, man. I was there in '68. <laughs> all right, here's another riff. Do you remember? Do you remember? Yes. I Mark? I know the song, I know the band, I just can't connect. So no, I'm out. I'm out. Lou, take it. What do you mean you're out? I can't remember. Got the rock and pneumonia, the boogie wiggy flu, Johnny Rivers. Damn. Johnny Rivers. The great, the, the great Johnny Ramasello. That Ramasello. sounds like Johnny a Dr. Rivers. John song to me. Great Johnny Rivers. Sure does. Right. It was all in that style. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder who's playing piano on that. I think it's probably somebody of note. Could be Mac Rebinac. Who knows? Well, probably probably not, but it would be kind of kind of cold. I'm saying, but Johnny Rivers. Maybe Nicky Hopkins. Nicky Hopkins, maybe. Yeah. 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 The late. That guy was great. He died young. Yeah. He was a Rolling Stone. All right. Deep Purple covered it, by the way. Uh... Here's to all those that have passed. Huey Piano Smith, I think. Oh, really? I think, yeah. Huey Smith? Yep. 
He had his own. He had his own hits. And Not so, like Cl- Clarence Frogmouth. <laughs> well, I ain't got a home. Well, I don't know if that's the same guy, but you know that Dave Edmonds. I hear you knocking. There was middle, you know, there. Huey Smith and all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We uh, yep. he's doing the shout outs. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So Johnny Rivers. You know that song by Reunion, the song by Reunion that we uh, that was the one hit wonder last week. The Bumblebee, Bumblebee and the Stingers did it, did it. Oh, I can <laughs> roll, but the radio rolled me. Yep. All right, here's another Wait. riff. Can you guys guess this riff? What do you got, Mark? You doing? You're looking up information. Yeah, it's, Huey, it's Huey Piano Smith on it. Yeah, I just wanted to confirm that. So he says, and Scarface John Williams on backing vocals. Scarface wow. John Williams. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> wow. When you play drums, that's just how blame. Just shouldn't. Here's another riff. Name. Wow. I wonder if that's James Jamerson. It's got to be. Four strings and one fucking finger. <laughs> um, I know it. Mark? CBA by the Smiths. CBA by the Smiths? <laughs> ABC by the Jacksons. The Jackson 5? It's the Jackson, Jackson five. 5, but that's I not want the name back. of the song. I want you oh, back. So it's called I Want You Back. I Want You Back. Yeah. Damn it. That is... That is one yeah. of the greatest bass lines in all of all. Of yeah, that's got to be fun. James Jamerson. It's got to be. It's 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 so rhythmic. It's so funky, man. Yeah, I thought it was ABC. Like, uh, I don't know. Wow. Oh, by the Not way, similar. The... I mean, it was Motown, right? So yeah, yeah. yeah. The drummer on Rock and Pneumonia was Charles Hungry Williams. Huh. Wow. Never heard of yeah. him. Mm-hmm. Charles Hungry in in Hungry in quotes. Yeah, that was his nickname. Wow. Feed that drummer. <laughs> Boy, for your supper, all right so. i've got one more riff to identify i'm getting weak we have to identify it okay I'm drawing a blank. I know it. I just can't think. Is it? Is the band sweet? Well, there ain't, he's English. You take it, Lou. Any idea, Lou? Nick Lowe. Nick Lowe. Oh, Is it God. And So It Goes? And So It Goes, and So It Goes. Yep. I couldn't be so further off. Sweet. Why am I thinking sweet? <laughs> Mark, that, that intro. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, it's it's English, yeah. man. Yeah, yes, it is. Yeah, and, and yeah. English pop. The English Good. invented rock and roll, didn't they? Yep. <laughs> yeah, they, they also invented, invented the blues too, apparently, <laughs> and rock, and, and R and B. And the queen, tea. the queen got together with Bernard Purdy and said, "Let's invent rock and roll." And there you go. <laughs> That's Bernard Purdy again. Jesus H. <laughs> he played well, on the Edinburgh record. Bubbles impersonation, Mark. Decent. Decent. I can't do it. I can't do it on demand. God. It hurts. It hurts my That's chest scary. to do it. I okay, get no performing flea. McDervish, McDervish cahoots. Join. What were you last week? Are you a glory hooks or something? 
something like O'Malley. Glory O'Malley hugs. hugs. Glory home, glory, glory home, glory home again. <laughs> so get this, I've, I've, uh, I've heard this. I've actually heard it. Rumor has it. It's People are talking. Bad. It's bad. They have AI, artificial intelligence now, that records. They mm-hmm. created a new Nirvana song using artificial intelligence. Yeah, I don't want to. And know. they created a new Doors song doing the same thing, and it's just like. That's just bad, man. And I heard it, and it's like, of course, they, the the they AI, AI Kurt Cobain's voice. That's not good. And uh, good. terrible. Really? Well, it's I want some bad, garlic. man. I don't understand it, but like, did, did you hear it? I yeah, heard, I heard it. it. Yeah, it sounded yeah. like Nirvana. Did you see it, Perry? Uh, it wasn't Nirvana. Uh, did you see what it, it looked was like? Artificial intelligence. It's actually what do you a mean? machine. Did I see what it looked it's like? a custom guitar. The guitar is only about so big it wasn't big and there was little levers pushing down on the fretboard and then there's a little thing plucking the strings yeah 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 um now i'm sitting there right i'm sitting there i'm going they have a machine playing the guitar it's the end of the world and i'm like oh every drummer in the 80s was screaming the same thing when drum machines came out so yeah 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 but that's just a weird thing man like here like Recreate creating a new Doors song. It's like it's just stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's resurrecting a corpse. It's you know what? But on TikTok, it'll probably be big. That's fine. You, yeah. know, and, you know, yeah. You know, whatever. I'm a replicant. It's like when we have a self <laughs> I'm a replicant. <laughs> this is this is terrible. Wow. TikTok. Even YouTube is getting in on the TikTok <clears throat> thing now. They have like you could leave like a TikTok Insane. video on YouTube now. You know, if I'm watching YouTube and I see something squeezed like that, like, you know, in a little frame, like... Like those videos you send me? Gone. Yeah. No, those you just have to... uh, (laughs) It doesn't work. You have an iPhone. Turn the phone sideways and it fills the screen out. Like that. That, Yeah. Yeah. I I know how to do that. I I know that location lock thing. Don't give me that crap. Well, I have one more more song. Okay. Can you identify this song? Okay. Who can? Mark okay. probably can't. Yeah. <laughs> stop, stop. <laughs> Wait, gotta get to the go, Speed Racer. Go. <laughs> oh, you just gave it away. Go. Adventure just ahead, step ahead. That was early anime. Yeah, yeah. It was Japanese. It was Japanese animation. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Just, just like Gigantor. I was a big Gigantor fan. What was Speed I? Speed Racer. I was John a Gigantor. Goodman was in the Speed I was Racer a Gigantor movie. fan. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, we had the, had the long carrot nose. But that was, but that was, yeah. So like, think about the American animation, and then when the Japanese animation <clears> came in, which was. After school, Speed Racer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Speed Racer was yeah. always seemed to be on after school. And there's you know, like, eight I guess man before dinner time, I guess, or whatever, you know? Throw uh, yeah, the kid I think in front it was, of the it was like late, late, so, after, late afternoon. Yeah, it was priming. So dinner's us up. ready. Yep. Yeah. Uh, do you remember Eight Man, the guy that could run fast? Eight Man. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. in the same era. Uh, Mark, that's, yeah. that's not slightly before your time, but not that much before your time, Mark. <clears throat> well, let me tell you something. I had my own. 
anime precursor in the 70s. When I came home from school, it was Battle of the Planets. Skeletor. That was produced in huh. Japan. And when we got, I remember watching it on Battle of the Planets, watching it on black and white TV. Then my dad got a color TV in 1976 or seven. And I, it just, that was my anime, pre, you know, Battle of the Planets. I got, found it here. I was on the phone. I'm going to start watching yep. it. But uh, on the that big was TV. good stuff. Yep. Hmm. Wait, hold on, guys. I'll be right back. Keep talking. Okay, yeah. So keep that, on talking. That 80s, uh, that 80, that Japanese animation really took off. Mm-hmm. And then what's it called? Yep. Anime? Uh, anime, anime. It's like um, what do they call it? edamame. It's like soybeans. Well, I, I guess it just really means animation, right? But uh, it's. Uh, I, I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's also gone on to other venues of the media world as far as anime and animation. But that that was original original stuff. But um, I remember standing. I, I had a raincoat when I was a kid. I, I was in my front yard. And my mom's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm Gigantor." You know, I was standing there yeah. with my arms folded up. <laughs> but he he was radio controlled by a kid. Yeah, yeah, Jack, yeah, 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 with the, yep, yeah. with the, yep, the space sage robot. Yep, yep. He's at your command, gigantic. Wow, wow, bigger than big. I, I love, you know, I cannot stand animation today. It's all computerized. It's it's yeah. just well, there, there's certain anime. I, I've been watching. I've been trying to watch these. They're they're Batman animated movies. Yeah, um, leading up to, in conjunction with the movies, and some of these have won awards, but I think the animation looks unrealistic. You know, the, the giant jaws. <clears throat> I like the animation if it's to look almost realistic at, at this point. You know, like I, I like old cartoons. You know, yeah, the yeah. stuff we grew up with. But I think, given the technology, I think some of the, the these big features, the the artwork for the posters, look more realistic than the actual features themselves. The features to me look cheap, even considering the money that goes into them and. What the, looks cheap? The, uh, some of these, like the, the actual animation, like uh, there's this one Batman, Arkham, Arkham Asylum. There was, there's an award-winning animated feature about Batman. From so when? I, I saw that, from when? What decade? Um, I was from from the the, the current current decade. Uh, really? Like, n- new millennial, yeah. But uh, they show the artwork for the uh, the posters for the movies. You're like, well, this looks like it'd be really interesting. But then you see the movie; it looks like a cheap cartoon. Still, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although the the writing is very good, and some of these have actually gotten. They've won awards. Yeah, but, uh, I do. I mean, the CGI, like you know, the, the reboots of the Planet of the Apes movies, the Matt Reeves movies. Um, you know, with Andy Serkis as the chimp. You know, these are live I action. Love the, you know, I love the Planet of the Apes movies. They're freaking <clears throat> phenomenal. I, I'm a fan of the original five, of course, just because of what yeah. they are. I mean, two of them are really good. The three are okay, but uh, the Tim Burton remake, I thought visually was good, story wise was eh. The, the new the remakes ones, with James Franco, <clears throat> yeah. I, I think that the storylines are great. The, the new one's coming out, um, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. But I saw the first two. I didn't see the third one, but I do like them. Third but one. I think that type of recreation using computers is amazing because it looks. It, these are what these animals would look like if they were intelligent. You know? mm. Long road for music, but you were you were getting a pizza. How's the pizza? You got Elise's pizza, didn't you, man? Yeah. No, I cooked you, the pizza. You got anchovies on pizza, pizza, didn't you? No anchovies, okay. please. What was your frozen pizza, Brad? No, no. Uh, cauliflower pizza. What was your frozen pizza? pizza? Really cauliflower? cauliflower. Yeah. I hate cauliflower. All right. So. tried them. Because you got cauliflower uh, here. Man. <laughs> I hate cauliflower. 
<laughs> Tis like some cauliflower. In my mouth. <laughs> oh my god who the hell cares I care. don't go there lou don't go there lou <laughs> i spilled my coffee can i talk oh, about co- something oh that's yeah, coffee yeah. okay so you mentioned we we're talking about the beatles at shea stadium that concert mm-hmm. in august of 1965 yep and at that time, it was the largest concert attendance. But we mentioned briefly the bands. people, yep. Right? So we mentioned that, you know, they had, they toured with opening acts, not just, right. yeah. yep. you know, one, one band or a comedian. But you know, back in those days, they were almost like package tours where the headliners, where the Beatles played for it. We said 27 minutes? Mm-hmm. Something like that. <clears throat> wow. So there were there were three pretty notable acts that opened up for them. Um, one of them was called Sounds Incorporated. Right, mm-hmm. uh, they were a British instrumental pop group from Dartford, Kent, England, next to Shropshire. Um, th- but in their career, they were they were a great backing band. During the course of their career, not only did they open up for the Beatles, they had some minor hits in England. Nothing that cracked the U.S. market, whatever. Uh, but you know, they were like on, you know like these top of the pops. They were the backing band. These guys were pretty serious musicians. Um, but they, they but in the course of their career, they backed up Gene, Vincent, Little Richard, Jerry Lee Lewis, uh, Brenda Lee, Sam Cooke. Um, Scylla Black. Um, yeah, so the, um, they're also the, on, on Sergeant Pepper, the Beatles Sergeant Pepper record, the song Good Morning, Good Morning, they're the horn section. Mm. The sax players got to play on Good Morning, Good Morning, which is one of my wow. favorite Beatles songs that is considered, Lenny considered a total filler. I think it's one of the best songs on Sergeant Pepper. The drums are great. That Ringo drop, psh. Um, they had they had uh, two UK singles, the Spartans, and they did a version of Spanish Harlem. Um, but that was it. They just went on to you know they broke up in the early seventies. But you know they were all over British television after after they had the original real heyday opening up for the um, opening for the Beatles. But the drummer, a guy named Tony Newman, uh, he's still alive, 79, uh, 79 years old. He was a big session drummer, and some of the people he's played were very impressive. He played with T Rex. He's on uh, Jeff Beck's, rest in peace. He's on the Beck Ola album. He's the drummer on that. Um, he played with David Bowie. He's the drummer on Diamond Dogs. So this is a guy who was in Sounds Incorporated. They were like a show band. Wow. Uh, he's played with George Harrison, Robert Palmer of Addicted to Love fame. Um, Eric Clapton, he's uh, the drummer on Donovan's um, Baraba Jigal. Um, it's a good song. <laughs> I, I got that out. I can't say I that. I, I got the first time around. It, I, I practiced that before we started. Um <laughs> He's on the Tommy soundtrack. He's one of the drummers that actually, besides Keith Moon, on the th- on the soundtrack record from the movie, he's one of the drummers featured on the orchestral arrangements. Uh, he's played with the Everly Brothers, Crystal Gale. He's on two John Prine records, um, Aimless Love in 1984, and on the John Prine uh, Christmas album, 1983. He's played with Joan Armitrading on the Back to the Night record. So this guy, like, little cool, cool little story where, you know, I've seen the live uh, footage of them playing. And they were a great show band, but you know they're kind of obscure. But this guy shows you know, who in the, people in these yeah, bands they had many of the fastest drummer. they could do. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Working drummer, but on, yeah, on some yeah. pretty big stuff, you know. Yep. Uh, the John Prine record uh, too, or two John Prine records. So, you know, that's a long way from Sounds Incorporated in, in the Beatles. He's an English dude ending up on someone who's so quintessentially an American songwriter. Um, the other band opened up was remember Perry mentioned Cannibal and the Headhunters. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were a Mexican-American band. They were a one-hit wonder. They did uh, probably the first hit version of 
Land of a Thousand Dances. Na 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 na. Yeah. Um, later, yeah, yeah. Um, they're from East LA. They're one of the first Mexican American bands to have a nationally charted hit. Uh, so they opened up for the Beatles on the second American tour. Their band that backed them up was the King Curtis band. You know who King Curtis was? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Famous yeah. sax player. Yep. Mm-hmm. If you see the Buddy Holly story with Gary Busey at the very end, I don't know if that's true or it's fictitious, but on True Love Ways, the guy that gets up and plays the saxophone, Buddy Holly goes, Gary Busey as Buddy Holly says, King Curtis on the saxophone. And I found that he was killed in, was it 1973 or 71? And then arguing with some guy in a doorway. He was carrying an air conditioner up to his apartment. Yeah. The guy sad. was moved. The guy was a drug dealer. The guy stabbed him to death. Yeah. But I, I never knew. I mean, I'd, I'd known his playing, but I never, never knew his story yet. Perfect. Yeah. Rest in peace, man. He has a great um, live album, <clears throat> Live at the Apollo. It's, oh, it's so good. So good. And it was Wilson Pickett had the version, the big hit version of uh, Land of a Thousand Dances. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, if you see some live footage of Wilson Pickett, that guy was on fire. <laughs> he was great. Yeah. He had the best scream in, in R&B, but this guy was, he whipped this crowd up. Um, um, now, the guy that wrote it, Land of a Thousand Dances, <clears throat> is a guy named Chris Kenner. You know the song, I Like It Like That? Mm-hmm. The name yeah. of the place is I Like It Like That. He wrote that hit. That was him. Oh, wow. Um yeah, so Wilson Pickett had a big hit. Uh, so the other artist that uh, opened up for the Beatles was a, a African-American Motown artist named Brenda Holloway. And I'd never heard of her. I listened to some of her stuff. She was great. Mm. Um, a great singer, not like a big star type thing, but mm-hmm. um, great tunes. And uh, she had some, uh, her hits were um, Every Little Bit Hurts, When I'm Gone. She co-wrote You Made Me So Very Happy, that Blood, Sweat, and Tears ended up having a big hit with. So Whoa. she co-read that with her sister and Barry Gordy um, of Motown fame. Um, that was a number 39 hit, so she had a top 40 hit with that. And she's still around. Uh, her sister Patrice co-wrote that. Um, her sister Patrice was Valerie in Josie and the Pussycats. So she, her sister was one ah. of the voices of, of the Pussycats in Josie and the Pussycats, yeah. Um, yeah, so that was, that was the opening band. But if you think about it, the Beatles were English. Their opening acts, they had an English band, they had an African-American, mm-hmm. and a, I guess, were they called Chicano back then? I don't know if that's derogatory or not. Yeah, I mean, that's what they were uh, called, they were, yeah. you know, like, Probably like, like, what they were referred to back then. Yeah, I, I think so back then, uh, yeah. So, and be that as it may. Um, but even like, you know, Richie Valens, um, Cannibal Richie and the Headhunters. Tequila, yeah. And, and uh, who was the band that did Tequila? Oh. The, uh... yeah. But I thought they were Mexican American or something. But but at that time in, in California, it's kind of neat. Um, I also think maybe the Rivieras too. But anyway, the fact that you know you had these ethnic bands were doing their imprint mm-hmm. on rock and roll now at, at that point, and there wasn't a big deal about it. You know? Yeah. Um, you know there were some early English bands wouldn't play on segregated bills. So yeah, but that was something that you know the Beatles did that they liked the artists. They met the guys in Sounds Incorporated, and when they were doing their. Uh, residency in in hamburg so mm-hmm. these guys you know, they stuck with them you know pretty tight stuff right on yeah and they were fans of motown and you know the Beatles oh hell were fans yeah of all that stuff look, yeah. look at all the motown songs they covered yeah, yeah. Um, baby it's you i mean chains you know and and yeah. did it originally and did it well that's <laughs> yeah you're about you've been in a beatles trivia thing so i have a beatles uh trivia question for you guys Okay. What who, is it? I, in the solo careers, who was the first Beatle to have the first number one hit? <sighs> name, name the Beatle and name the song. 
I would Ringo think it's Ringo. Star. Name Photograph? the Beatle, name the song. Photograph, Ringo no. Starr? Nope. Nope. Perry? It's not Ringo? No. Hmm. It'd have to be uh, Harry Georgeson. It'd have to it be Harry Georgeson. <laughs> it was Leangelo Mysterioso. Yeah, what was yeah. the song? So it was George. I would. What, it's got to be My Sweet Lord. You're correct. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. That was the first post, post Beatles number one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Who, who, now, who's the drummer on it? Or drummers, I think. I think it's two. Oh, it's got, I don't know, Jim Keltner. I think, and Jim Gordon. Yeah. Wow. What a duo. Yeah. What are, are you kidding me? That's a, Mark, that's a Mad Dogs and Englishman. Uh, that was the tour drummers, was Jim Keltner and Jim Gordon, both yeah, on the same yep. stage on drum kits. I mean, probably Ray Cooper on percussion, too. Like, that's, that's too <laughs> scary, man. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And then now there's a book about that tour, uh, the Mad Dogs tour that, it was bad. These guys, really? loved, it was a lot of a lot of mob involved. There was a lot of weird money involved, and these guys were some of these musicians were forced to keep you know keep moving, keep playing on the tour. It was like bad stuff. Wow, that is yeah. Well, yeah, the, the, the club gigs you know, every, mean they were doing, and uh... well, not just that the the whole touring and the fact that you know they weren't getting paid, they weren't getting paid what they're supposed to, and if you complained, yeah, you didn't complain. I mean, this is that's bad shit. That's, yeah, if that's you didn't coercion. complain, Don Arden's going to get his goons after you. <laughs> exactly. You see that guy over there? And the number one rule: don't what piss size off Jim Gordon. Do you have? Don't piss off Jim Gordon. What's that? That's the number one rule: don't piss off Jim Gordon. Nah, he was a big celebrated Jim Gordon. <laughs> that Clapton was, was not a Clapton. You heard that story, right? Where they were on the what? they were touring by train, and Jim Gordon was pissing Clapton off, so he took his friggin' luggage and tossed it right out of the window on a train. <laughs> All his new silk shirts and everything. Wait, wait, wait. Jim Gordon tossed Clapton's luggage? No, no, no. Clapton tossed Jim Gordon's bag oh, really? right out of the I window. I did not hear yep. this. Wow. Yep. Jim Gordon's a big. Jim Gordon was a big guy. He was yeah, like but six, you know what? Clapton wasn't afraid of him. Yeah. And Jim Gordon, no, he backed down because Clapton was a boss. He could have thrown Clapton out that window with his luggage. <laughs> he's also he was also a very dangerous violent man. Well, Bobby too, Whitlock was there too. Mm, wow. But well. he said, uh, yeah. but he said, Clapton, uh, Jim Gordon had all these brand new silk shirts. You know, I guess for the shows, right wow. out, threw it right out the window. Damn. Somebody got well, somebody some picked them up on the side. Somebody got new there, shirts. Yeah. There, there was a thing when Jim Gordon, before he got arrested for murder, um, some of the sessions he did toward the end of his career were he was so out of it that he was, I think everyone was messing with his time, but he would get up and intimidate like bass yeah, players yeah. and just like say, you're messing with, you know, like, you know, that, that's kind of scary. You know? yeah, yeah, it is yeah. scary. Yeah. That's why he probably we've never done it. We've never done a full, too, you know, we've never done a full story on Jim Gordon. We've, we've hinted at it back in. The, the, the pre-camera days, but you know, that's something that's still worth. Got yeah, two well, words talked for about, you. like Do you know, it. a lot, lot yeah. of the songs that he's played on and stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. but it, we touched upon it. There's, there's I think everyone more. knows what he did, right? He killed his mother with a with a hammer or a knife he, and a he, hammer well, or he, something. Both, yeah. He, he he killed his own mother. You know, he's uh, yeah paranoid schizophrenic, so he's still incarcerated. He was interviewed we'll recently. Never get out. He was interviewed recently by a journalist. I I covered it really? a couple of shows back. Yeah, and uh, I remember. He takes yeah. his meds. He's fine. You can you know yeah. you can sit there and talk to him and. Uh, yep. Well, he's fine, and but sometimes he refuses to take his medication, and that's how he keeps getting denied parole. Mm -hmm. um, apparently, he still denies. Whatever he denies that what he did. 
he does not admit that he killed his mother. So that's where he'll never get out. Yeah. You, know, you gotta, yeah. you gotta own up to it, but yeah. It's, it's well, a he's in a hospital. Story. Like he's in a place where Carl Childers was, you know, like uh, well, it, 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 it's, it's a prison hospital. He's not, right, but it's not, he's, yeah. you know, he's not in a cell. Are you sure? Really? He's in a, it's I'll, a I'll hospital setting. Like, uh, you know, like okay. he's got a room and it's a locked floor. I'm sure, you mm-hmm. know, like, uh, Carl, you know, <laughs> he still makes money from Layla. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Pro- sure. Probably still gets checks. So I don't know where the checks go, but, uh, yeah. it, that's, that's funny. That, that, that's a good story because, you know, I don't, does it give him spending money for cigarettes in the commissary or whatever? But, um, I, I do know that other musicians have kind of uh, preyed upon him. I read where, you know, they're, trying to coerce him, you know, to invest in these things. So I think there's still some money. I don't know if he had any children. I don't know if he was married at the time. Yeah, I don't know. Um, you know I mean, but was, they still, uh, he, Bobby he Whitlock still gets heir. checks from working What's on that? All Things Must Pass and Eric Clapton records. Oh, yeah. And Gordon um, like, you know, I mean, his disc, I mean, uh, Pet Sounds. Mm. I mean, he, yeah, I mean, he's he's on Pet Sounds. I mean, it's he's on a little you know, bit of Pet Sounds. Mostly, it's uh, Hal Blaine. It's mostly Hal Blaine, Sounds, but yeah, yeah, he's but he's on a few big hits. He's he's on a yeah. few vibrations, I think, or um, God only knows. So the you know the songs. Yeah, I think made, he's on Heroes and Villains too. Maybe. Wow. He's on the Edenville record. <laughs> what is with, Edenville? With Bernard, with, with Bernard Purdy. That's good. Uh, you beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> there we go rabbit hole <laughs> yes yes well anyway braggadocious musicians yeah well you guys want some happy news yeah yes yeah. as long as you're eat. done there yeah. lou are you I done i'm sorry some happy... uh yeah yeah i, I do wait, wait um yeah we, we, well, we you said you, had, we you were... had one hit wonder or something didn't you oh yeah well, I, I have two I have two. Let's do it. Well, yeah, let's do the one-hit wonders, yeah. and Mark will uh, boost everybody up. Okay. Well, one-hit one wonders one boost us up, too. One-hit wonders are fabulous. They are. I'm a big fan Fabuloso. of um, <laughs> Hey, I just used that this morning in my isn't that a Isn't that a fabric softener? Fabuloso? It's also a uh, – no, you mop with it, too. There's two different things. Yeah. It's cheap, oh. man. It's cheap. <laughs> I didn't hear that. I lost my key here. All right. This is a real fast one. <laughs> okay. Um, it's a 30 second song. That's a one hit wonder. It's a one hit wonder. Mark? I can't remember who did it. They wear suits. That's John Lennon. The Beatles. It's a huge song. Yeah, that's uh they're called the uh The Wonders. The Knickerbockers. Yeah. It comes right it comes right off the top. Um the song was called Lies. The Knickerbockers, right? The Knickerbockers, yep. Boy, did they sound they like f- the Beatles. Well, that was the whole thing. Well, they're thing. from New that Jersey. Was... They're better than Bon Jovi. Yes. Put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're from Bergenfield. 
They're oh, from wow. Bergenfield, New Jersey. That was in the magical, yeah, that was in the magical year of 1966. They named their band after Knickerbocker Avenue, I think in Tenafly or Teaneck. Um, so folks, we're all from New Jersey originally here. So we're talking about Bergen County, New Jersey. That's kind of where we're all from. Um, Bergen from New Jersey was also the home of Bob Gaudio, who was a songwriter for the, um, the four seasons for the Italo rock, the co-writer. Yeah. Italo rock rules. Perry, when you say Italo rock, you say, it I say it with disdain. I do. Yes. You do. You're the only one. All right. Perry, you say alone. many my things with disdain. The, my son likes the four seasons. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that was at number 20 on the U.S. pop charts. That was a was hit. I remember by, hearing that in the radio a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But the thing was, everyone thought that it was like a, a Beatles song, but not a knockoff. Yeah. Um, Give me one second. I got to go get another bottle of water. All right. All right. Mark, you are familiar with the song, though. Oh, yeah. 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 It, it, it's great. I mean, the, the drumming is great. The, the playing is great. These guys were good musicians, but I think they. um. After this, they, they were very, um, I guess they were very derivative. They couldn't write anything like truly original. <laughs> Everything they did, they, they tried to copy a current trend of the time. So whatever they did after Lies, you know, the, the guy that sang was a sax player. Uh, so, okay. you know, they just, they tried to like hop along with it. I guess they never had what was true originality, but what they could do is emulate the sounds that they tried to, that were influenced by it. I mean, that's like the Beatles. I, I told Scott Mitter, I said, that's the best Beatles song that the Beatles never wrote. <laughs> you know, that could have been on the Help record. Yeah. Yeah. It could have been on the Help more than a Hard Day's Night. Yep. There's, you know, there's a few I, bands. I don't know where... there's, there's a few bands nowadays that are known for making hits sounding like other. And I'm just thinking, like, there's a, you know, there's a bunch of bands out. We should actually talk about this sometime. You ever get these new bands that come out and like every single yeah. hit they have sounds like something that's popular, you know? <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I went what I call, I call my extremely derivative period where I was writing songs that kind of had like a, a flair of someone else. Like, um, what a day number nine was me trying to write a band song. That was one of our in, introduction songs, but there was other things that just, it's sounded, you know, it, it, you are, you know, your influence is rock and roll is, you know, supposed to be pretty simple. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, That's inspiration. That. There was one guitar in- part no, where Lou went not. like this, not. where Lou did this. <laughs> <laughs> and guess Robbie. where Robbie got that from? Mike Bloomfield. <laughs> right. Um, we were talking about the, the, uh, the Knickerbockers and how I was mentioning to Mark that, you know, Lies was their big hit. But yeah. what they did in their whole career was they tried to emulate all the sounds of the day where, they never had like a really original sound of their own, but they copied other artists very well. So like Lies was like a, like a great Beatles song, um, but it was uh, produced by a guy named Jerry Fuller, who was a, a very well uh, known producer and songwriter in his own right. Um, so he wrote, um, uh, here's some Metallica rock for you, Perry. He wrote Lady Willpower. And young girl for Gary Puckett and the uni was it in Union Gap? Well, that's not Italo right. rock, right? That's just uh, well, like it kind of it falls into that almost like cheesy. It's almost like yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. lady, <laughs> young girl, get out of my life. It's Gary, it's Gary Puckett in the Union Gap. Yeah, yeah, Italo rock rocks. Anyway, um, he also wrote "Traveling Man." Really. By Little Ricky Nelson, Bob Seger, made famous by Ricky Nelson. I was gonna say uh, Bob Seger. Not, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's traveling band, Mark. No, didn't didn't Bob Seger cover that Rick Nelson song, "Traveling Man"? No, it's traveling band. Y'all, I need a traveling band. Yeah. Oh, me and Perry both. No, Bob Seger, not Credence. Bob Seger. Bob Seger may not... have covered that Rick Nelson song. Okay, I never heard it. 
Um, Maybe. But I know okay. the song you're talking about. Yeah. It's quite possible. Yeah, but you're talking about Zuri Fuller also. Sorry. <laughs> this is like the Geico ad where they're trying Canada. to all talk at the same time. Okay. <laughs> Can I bore your car? Get out of my yard. <laughs> talk amongst yourselves. Let's get another one-hit wonder going. <laughs> I've, I've got one. I've got one. I've got one. Um, <laughs> well, I, I could, uh, while you're waiting, I could play a video. No, wait. Yeah, but at the same time, my next one-hit wonder yeah. has a tie-in with Jerry Fuller because Jerry Fuller, oh. who produced the Necrobacos Lies, produced this song, which was a number two hit. But we got to wait a minute, so uh, do a video first. Okay. I want to see John Bon Jovi. <laughs> it's me going to work. I stop at Wendy's for a cup of coffee. Okay. So, so I, did you have your video? Because I got, I got the song. There you go. <laughs> it's me. Break time. At work. It'll stop in a second. You think it's bamboo shoots? <laughs> That's what they eat. Bamboo, isn't it? Yep. Bamboo. Big bamboo. Yeah. Bam bamboozled by love. Oh, what did you do for your summer fan. vacation, Lou? <laughs> I went. I, I went hung out in front of the drugstore, and then I went down to look for a job. Then I hung out in front of the drugstore. Okay, this next song, produced by Jerry Fuller, who produced "Lies" by the Knickerbockers, was yeah. a number two hit in 1968. It was also a Grammy winner. Um, it won Grammy Award for Song of the Year and Best Country Song. It was big. Really? Yep. And it goes something like this. It goes something like this. It's a real quiet song. Oh, I wake up in the morning with my hair down in my eyes, and she says hi. <clears throat> and I stumble to the breakfast table while the kids are going off to school goodbye. And she reaches out and takes my hand. Play the whole thing. Squeezes it and says, How are you feeling? Never heard it before. Yeah. And I, I have. Lips that warm my heart and see my morning sun. And if that's not loving, <laughs> what is that band? <laughs> and all I gotta say, oh God, who didn't? It don't rain in Indianapolis in the summertime. I like it. You, you never heard it before? No. Never. I have. You, you not only it, that was that was Elvis recorded that song. It was it yeah. was covered by a lot of people. Uh, yeah. Patty Page. Um, yep. Roger Miller did the first version of it. Roger Miller. Roger F Miller. So who is this? Um, uh, that was O. C. Smith. I think it was just I don't know what else he did. That, but I remember as a kid. So '68, I was seven. I just remember that was just a big song all over AM radio. It was what, huge. What was, it was the song of the year. What was the name of it? Um, it was called. Uh, uh, oh, it's called um, 
Little Green Apples. Yeah, I okay. think I mentioned that one time when I was talking about a producer. You did. A record producer. It, it was, it was, it was it, a Snuff Garrett or a... Was a Jerry Fuller. And the Jerry Fuller wrote it. He might have produced yeah, it. Yeah, no, the, the producer of the record was uh, somebody that I had talked about, that I talked about. Well, I, uh, well, I got listed as saying Jerry Fuller produced it. He also produced uh, Show and Tell by Al Wilson. Show and tell, just a game, <laughs> what I want to say. So, cool stuff. Wow. Little green, I always thought they were like little green, little, little green apples. Like, when I was a kid, I'm like, God didn't make little green apples? Like, I thought he did. <laughs> well, who made the little green apples? Granny apples. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it don't rain in Indianapolis in the summertime. Well, that's for, you know, that's the sake of the rhyme, right? <laughs> yeah, well, it's almost like that Gold Star stuff where that late 60s, Glenn Campbell, the Jimmy Webb type stuff. Where, you know, these songs had cinematic scope to them. But Yeah. Those yeah. are my two at Wonder Wonders. And that was a one-hit wonder because you never heard from that guy again, right? I don't, I don't think so. But that was the number two. That, that's a biggie. Oh, top ten hit. Yeah. Yep. Actually, actually, that was written by um, Little Green Apples. Was written by a guy named Bobby Russell. Yeah, he was married to Vicky Lawrence. I, that's when I was talking about. Uh, oh, okay, right, yeah. right. Vicky Lawrence. What was he wrote her? some big hits? Bobby Russell. Yeah. Right now, yeah. Vicky Lawrence. What was her? What was her big hits? Night the lights went out in Georgia. Yeah. Right, right. Written by her husband, and uh, yeah, yeah. He wrote that Little Green Apples, and he wrote. I think he wrote "Honey, I Miss You," Bobby Goldsboro. Bobby Goldsboro, same writer, wrote all three of those smash hits. Yep. Now, when Mark and I were on Milk Crates and Turntables, mm-hmm. Scott played something that we had to pick. It was the song "Angie Baby" by yeah. um by what, Helen the Canadian, Reddy? right? Right. No, yeah. Who did the Who did "Angie Baby" though? Helen Reddy. Well, it was Helen. She's Reddy. Canadian. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she. No, did. no, Anne Murray's Canadian. Snowbird. Anne Murray didn't do she. She did do not Angie Baby. That wasn't Must have been Helen Reddy. I think. Yeah, I think so. Angie Baby. That sounds like the glass is empty. Nah, but you know what? I was just interrupting. I'm sorry to do this before, but that's easily remedied. That is Little Green Men from anyway. Steve Vai. So that's what you know. I hear little green apples. I saw Steve Vai um, interviewed recently where uh, <laughs> apparently that, that sounds like the opening to that um, Love and Spoonful song, Summer in the City. <laughs> Hot town. <laughs> but Steve Vai, apparently there's this bass player on the internet she's like eight years old yeah and apparently she's a fantastic bass player so mm, steve vai invited her to his studio in uh i guess he lives in california you know yes. and uh, yeah she came down and he showed her around and everything you know he was working on the track when she came in with her father and all that and uh you know he i don't know how he found out about her but you know she's like not even, 10 years old, maybe tops. Wow. And the, girl the, internet. And the bass saw her on YouTube. Pretty, pretty darn good. Wow. But Steve Vai invited her to the studio. Like, nice guy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You Seems know why like he's a, a nice really guy, nice Perry? Guy. You know why he's a nice guy? Because um, we both share the same birthday. We're both Gemini. the dead? No, Gemini's. Wow. June 6th. Wow. We're nice guys. Gemini. 
Gemini dreams. You guys you're, are Geminis. You're a Gemini. I'm a so Gemini. I'm on this podcast with four other people. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's how the that's how the old astronauts from the '60s used to say it. It's Gemini. You, it's you guys yeah. against me, Lou. Uh, I like you today, I but I might not like you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Leo. I'm a Leo with feces rising. <laughs> Ready for you. All right, where are we gonna go? We want to do a review of your albums, Mark. No, uh, yeah, got some good news for you guys. Oh, they got right. a closure right. here. Yeah. Kind of a closure yeah, here. Story. We've been talking about publishing and all this shit, you know. Uh, no, yeah, it's not yeah, Journey. Yeah. I'm not even gonna talk about Journey for a while. So, John Fogarty has finally gained worldwide control of his Creedence Clearwater Revival publishing rights. Oh, man. Yeah. That is fantastic. Fogarty. Fogarty. That's fabulous. Um, Fogarty recently bought Well, Saul Vance is long gone, so how did it happen? All right, so here's how it happened. How did it happen, and what did it cost him? He dug up his body and made a... Or did it refer back to him legally... With the the way it works with the copyrights, no. they revert back to you he, after a certain well, amount of time. How did it happen? Uh, no, now he could have done that, but he chose to, to purchase. Fogarty recently bought a majority interest in the global publishing rights to his CCR catalog from Concord for an undisclosed sum. Concord bought Fantasy back in 2004 and quickly reinstated yep, yep. and increased Fogarty's royalties. The company still owns CCR's master mm. recordings and will continue to pay out Fogarty's share of the publishing. Mm-hmm. Now, this is interesting. Yeah, like you said, Perry. Fogarty's latest crusade to obtain his publishing rights began when he and his wife, his manager and his wife, realized that the rights to his songs yeah. would start reverting to him in a few years Julie. per U.S. copyright Julie. law. Rather than wait for those last few years, Julie suggested to Concord that her husband buy the songs back from them. The company initially declined, but... Here we go. Irving again. After looping in music industry mogul and Fogarty's former manager, Irving Azoff, both parties struck a deal. So Irving stepped in, negotiated something. So Fog- Oh, wow. Okay. It's great. Good for him. Yeah. So, you know? no, so he had he had Irving Azoff as his own little personal saint. Yeah. Good yeah. thing it wasn't David Geffen. Otherwise, he would have never gotten the back. Yeah. Yeah. Unless he went up, unless he went up against Irving Azoff. You don't, you don't mess with <laughs> Irving Azoff, apparently. And he, he just made a little aside. He's got He's chunks just, of Geffen in his stool. So how many millions did it cost him? Do you know? Doesn't say undisclosed sum, but he did say that um, he would like to eventually own the Masters, but he's not actively sitting around worrying about that. I think because Concord's yeah, going to yeah. treat him more fairly. You know, they're not just going to. Well, if they increase his royalty the rate right off the yeah. bat. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That, that's yeah. a sign of good faith. So yeah. what does he what does he control now? He controls the copyrights publishing. or the publishing. The publishing? What is it? Publishing. Yeah. Publishing. Publishing rights. So, now, so, that, so that means that uh, Doug Clifford and Stu Cook still get a royalty rate. They've got to kiss well, his there, ass there now. Was a thing, there was a thing about that because they were each um, – no, they each – apparently, like, if they wanted to use a Creedence song in a commercial, right, the, they, all four they of them knew. had to they, agree they to it. Knew. All okay. four of them had to agree to it. So of course there's, there's, only, there's, there's only three left. Right. Well, Tom Tom Fogarty, his estate, well, maybe, or, the, maybe the estate, the estate of right. Right, right. So, so if they wanted to use it for a commercial, of course Doug Clifford and Stu Cook are going to go. Yeah, use it because we're going to get yeah. paid. You know, 
John Fogarty was really against that. He wasn't that really what he, he was interested in. But he always wanted to. He always wanted his copyrights for uh, you know, for the for sure. the songs that he wrote. And he, he you know, he uh, of course, when Saul's Ants was there, he was getting a minuscule rate. Right. Right. So I don't know what the percentage was. Probably worse than the Beatles. But so obviously Concord bought the company. They increased it right off the bat. So like that's good for him. But I I guess yeah. his wife uh his wife talked him into it and stepped in, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. And uh it's it, another interesting thing. I think I might want to see him live because he's touring and his sons are in his band. I'd like to see that. Really? Yeah. Well, huh. Credence we're, is the first we're, we're, band I really loved. And I, I, you know, I'm tired of the the hits. I'm tired of the hits, right. man. Sure. I want, I do some of these album tracks because I had all the records. Mm. I yeah. still do. Like, you know, I'm tired of hearing Proud Mary and, you know, blah, 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 Fortunate Son again and again. I ain't no fortunate. You know, like Bruce. You, you know, like you can't always, you know, <laughs> like with Bruce and uh, yeah, yeah. Everybody's Bob everybody Seger. wants to be with Fogarty, Bob, Bob you know? Seger. Bob Seger covered it. Um, well, the thing is, that if if you have XM Radio, like deep tracks, you'll hear the album cuts. You will yeah. hear deep cuts, right? But I mean, I want him you to know, play, radio play sucks. them. Like do a do a show where you're not doing the hits, man. Do some of these album cuts. I mean, I know all these album cuts by him. There are some great songs that people are not aware of well, if they only listen to the radio and don't own the records. Well, Perry, you, you got me. Radio. You got me into an album cut of theirs, Pagan Baby. I'd never heard that. And then you played it for me. I'm like, what right, the hell yeah, is that? That's yeah. great. Yeah, good song. Yeah. yeah. And he Born to Move from the same record, Pendulum. He plays the Hammond organ on it and all that. I mean, this is, you know, but. Yeah, I guess he's known. And also, you know, he he was not satisfied with his own guitar playing. So he like he was taking lessons, I believe, also for like almost 10 years. Wow. He would improve his guitar playing because he's very stiff. He's very stiff. I mean, I loved I loved all hmm. those records, but yeah. he was yeah. very stiff, not loose. And he's more loose now. He's more loose. Yeah. Like uh hmm. I don't know who was helping him along with it, but uh, his guitar playing has improved. And, of course, his songwriting has improved because of it. Yeah, absolutely. So we're happy for him. This is like a big weight off his shoulders. You know, he must oh, be so Oh, that is so great news. That is happy. great yeah. news. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's one guy I always <laughs> rooted for. Is uh, Like I told you, until I read the book, I was I was against John Fogarty, man. I was like... This guy, I mean, how could a guy I loved so much when I was a kid leave those two guys at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Leave them standing there. Yeah. Leave them hanging, man. No, that's not what happened at all. That's yeah. not what happened at all. They were doing deals behind his back with Saul Zantz, mm -hmm. you know, cutting mm -hmm. deals. And uh, and that's why he knew before the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, weeks before, months before, he knew he was not going to play with those guys. Yeah. They knew it, too. But they mm -hmm. played the they played the victim card, you know. Sure. How That's can all you they do got. that to us when they knew <laughs> they knew right away and like when Kiss was in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. No, you know, like these guys aren't gonna play. You know, Ace yeah. Freely's not gonna play with uh, you know, with uh, these two guys. They probably can't now. Hey, do you think when Hootie and the Blowfish go into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame they'll play? <laughs> 
I think spin b- doctors will be in before them. <laughs> I, I think oh. they're getting, I heard they're going to back up Shell Crow. <laughs> yeah. Next year. <laughs> and spin doctors, they'll be inducted in with the gym blossoms. Yeah. <clears throat> well, the spin doctors, they're two hit wonders, aren't they? I think yeah. one. No. Yeah. Two princes. Wait a minute. Two princes, that two hits tonight. Yeah, little little miss, little miss can't be wrong. Pocket full of kryptonite. Kryptonite. And two other ones. They had three hits. They had three hits. Yep. Centurion. It's it's that thing. It's that um. It's that what do you call it thing? With uh, like Nickelback, you know, like people despise the singer, man, and that's it. You're gonna like, that's it, man. You're done. Except Nickelback has trillions and trillions of records sold. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, you know what? I pick on Hootie and a Blowfish, but I've heard that Darius Rucker is an absolutely nice, great guy. And he's a he's a good country he's singer. A singer. He's a good country yeah. artist. Yeah. Absolutely, he is a good yeah. country. And in fact, there was there was a tribute thing he did where um. I forgot the band was there. Fred Armisen did a song and then um Darius Rucker did and he was very he was very good. Yeah. Who did yeah. blow they were innocuous and there was nothing really wrong with them. Yeah. They were yeah. just plain. Um, they were less me... edgy than say Huey Lewis in the news. Yeah. It was like in the nineties we had all of a sudden this Whoa. plain frat rock type of music and it just I couldn't stand it, you know, it was so lame. And they were they were huge, yeah. you know. So no. So. I'm a prog yeah. fan, I'm yeah. snobby, you know. So there you go. Yeah, right. there's, there's the guy I got to tell you, there's a guy I just I can't get into. I've tried. I've heard stuff by him. I've seen him on television and stuff. The guy, Dave Matthews, man. I don't know. It's just it's just too jittery for me Too something. <laughs> I, I, no, no, I don't know. No, what no, it, I can't explain it. You explain. I know it, it is. Me, per, the drummer is overly the drummer is overly syncopated. The drummer is drummer. I, I'm a drummer. He's a great drummer. The guy's technically amazing, but there are times I'm like, divide it by a thousand. You're still playing too much yeah. for a couple of measures. Yeah. But there's there's one song I heard by them, and I said he's going, dude, goddamn. I said he's behaving himself. A second later, <laughs> he starts he starts doing the hi hat to the bass drum, and it could be I what mean, it is. Yeah, I, I think he's overly syncopated. It her. makes I think, me yeah. jittery. I think he's overplaying to that yeah. stuff. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, it's kind of jazzy, but it's got that kind of proggy feel, but. I, I do think, yeah, I think that might be, for me, that, that's my detraction. Not that the guy cannot play. I'm right, not yeah, Carl Palmer. Yeah. I, I don't think Carl Palmer, for all his technical ability, has great style. Mm-hmm. Well, it's Just Joe me. Satriani all over again. <clears throat> he hits all the notes, but he has no feel. That's what Richie Joe, Blackmore said about I, Joe Satriani. And I here's, agree my thing, here's my thing on Joe Satriani. Mm. Technically, he's great. And he can make a great composition. He can have a, a general atmosphere, like his uh, some of his stuff. But as far as playing, he's fantastic. But I don't feel the the soul like like Blackmore said. And his biggest student yeah. was Steve Vai. Steve Vai is technical. Just saw him a couple months ago. There is so much soul in his playing, so much feeling. He is wrenching right. his soul right. out. Yeah. And so yeah, that's that's one thing I get with with Joe. Uh, Right. I don't think I could sit through a whole album of his. It's just it's too this technical. This is what you get with Joe Joe Satriani. It's fretboard gymnastics. And yeah. do you think Jeff Beck had them all in the palm of his hand? Absolutely, because Joe no. Satriani okay. could not do that thing where he. No, would no, 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 Jeff Beck had them. 
Jeff Beck right. had him like this. You know, like, Jeff, this is, you know, give this yeah, but you. he was from a different That's era because Jeff Beck didn't go all over the neck here, 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 here. No, but you what know. I'm saying for you, as far as virtuosity and soul, Jeff Beck had them all in his back pocket. But, yeah, and that's a good that's point, Perry. Even though Jeff Beck was from another generation, he could hold his own with the Steve Eyes and the uh, Joe Satriani's. He did oh, sure. have that. Yeah. I mean, it, that's what made him amazing. He's a godfather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, yep. uh, yeah. Kiss his ring. So, by the way, like, as far uh, as, da- as, far know, as like- David, Dave Matthews is concerned, me, personally, I can't listen to his albums so much. I have three of his DVDs, live concerts. I love them live. I love listening to him. Great actor. I think he was great in Winn-Dixie. Um, his solo <laughs> album, he was Otis with the Pickles. His solo album was really good. He had It wasn't that Dave Matthews band, so he had some really great compositions on it. There's an artist in there that I like, but there's some of his stuff I just, you know, yeah, it's it's kind of lame <laughs> there's another know. guy i i tried to get into and i can't it's just i don't know maybe it's a frat thing this barefoot dude from hawaii jack johnson jack, jammers jack johnson. yeah i <laughs> jack jones singing love boat theme i can't i can't get into that it's just i don't know what it is man it's just he's he, he's got a couple early early grooves that he set some kind of style for himself Early on, and then has followed. Maybe he just—that's his thing. That's his niche. But yeah, yeah. Early on, like some of this, like, it was pleasant enough. Like that one song. Um, what was a big hit? I can't well, think he of did it that now. song for a Curious George. That was da, a huge da, 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 Inside Out. Da, 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 da. That's yes. a nice song. Yes. You know? yeah. That reminds me of when, when Louis was born. That's how old that song is. That song came out in two thousand five. Wow. Or two thousand six. Um. Yeah, but like I, I know to me, he's got that kind of it's it's laid yeah, back islandy just, groove. He's, you know, he's, he's, do, he's played, uh, yeah. He's played on Margaritaville radio. He, he's part of that. Um, that's where he beach, belongs. Beach absolutely on that Jimmy bare, barefoot style. Country. Yeah, yep. He's totally yeah, Hawaii. Yeah. Total Hawaii. That's a Hawaii scene. Laid oh, back yeah. and yeah. surf dude. He, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, did you ever see that? Saturday? Guitars, uh, the, 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 the music's not heavy. Yeah. I mean, you ever see a Saturday Night Live skit, the Jack Johnson jammers? That is hilarious. I mean, you think you can walk <laughs> like Jack Johnson, so they have these slippers that are bare feet. You put them on. You can go anywhere with the Jack Johnson jammers. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. Anyway. You want to reveal you know, some original, records, Mark? The, the, the original Barefoot Rocker. Who's the original Barefoot Rocker on stage? Well, <laughs> can Ronnie I toot Benzer? my own horn? Not me, but uh, Steve Wilson is barefoot sure. all the time. Steve Wilson has never done a gig with okay. shoes on, Porcupine Tree or Solo. But who are you talking about? Really? Um, Ronnie Van Zant, Lynn Skinner. He frequently really? went on stage barefoot. I didn't know that. Yeah. And uh, my friend Steve Marone, uh, Perry, you've met Steve Marone. He's from Washington Township. He come, he come by the garage every once in a while, the garage on Brickell Avenue in Westwood, Westwood New Jersey. Um, I did a couple of gigs with him and his band, and they were kind of jazzy, kind of almost in that same realm. Uh, but he he, he did uh, uh, shoeless stuff on stage, which if you want heartworm or pinworm, that, that's your thing. But I don't I don't do barefoot. No, especially in a bar. Goose shit. Yeah. Oh my god. You might get peanut shells between. I mean, if toes. you're big enough to play like Radio City, you'll have the carpets out. You're safe, you know. But you're in a club now. Don't do it. Don't do it. One piece yeah. of glass and you're screwed, man. Well, they always put carpets on those wooden, those old wooden stages. They kind of have right. to, you know. The way oh, everything would echo. All, the, yeah. all the floorboards, yeah. Not all the grease paint marks in the in the markings. 
Not in Lou's Tavern or in uh, <laughs> up here in uh, what's the what's the Pro Over no, Ho- Mo- Hotel. They ain't gonna put it. <laughs> Is the XL Bar still in Western New Jersey? Where was that? It was right across from Andrews Liquors. No, and that I closed down Washington when I lived down the block. They closed it down. Um, that was the Good. funniest because Saturday night. I got to see one old man after another staggering and literally like how they didn't fall over. It was almost like they would lean over so far and they would get back up. They never fell, but it was hilarious. Yeah. They closed that place down. This is Westwood we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Across from Andrews. Yeah. Cause I used to live on third Avenue. Okay. Yeah. Sorry people. This is Jersey talk. Yeah, this is we got listeners out there who have right. no idea what hey, all this is about. But that's okay because if I was listening to we all live if I was listening okay. to three guys yeah. from Wisniewski, Missouri talking about their hometown, I'd love it. I'd be like this is like uh Wisniewski, uh, sure. Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's a good. So Mark Perry and I all lived in probably at the same time at one point in Westwood, New Jersey. Yes. Uh, yep. known as the hub of the Pasquac Valley. Bergen County is north North, uh, northeast, right, right above New York State. Yeah. So yeah. So XL Bar was a dive bar across from this liquor store. Perry and I worked at for for quite a few years. Anyway. Yep. All musicians have to work in a liquor store at one point. If you want, if you're worth your salt, you got to serve people or a laundry. Why don't we serve up some albums, Mark? I say um, musicians Mc, should work Mc, in a laundromat. Mc, it's like being a bar. It should be like being a bartender when you work in a laundromat. You got to deal with some funny people. So anyway, textile maintenance facility. All right. So it put, just let me say my daughter was really uh, under the weather this week. I couldn't get over there to get albums. My albums are still stored. I think I picked out albums that I didn't. But if you catch me, just say, shut up, Mark. So here we go. First one. This is what I looked like this morning. This is <laughs> Fleetwood Mac closer. English Rose. That's Mick Fleetwood on the cover oh, looking beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. This was actually a wow. compilation album of the first two albums for American Market. It's good. It's good. It's it's got Black Peter Magic Green. Woman on. It. Yeah, yeah. It's the original band. They hmm. took their first two albums, combined them for the American Market. Uh, but it's how I discovered that they did Black Magic Woman. I didn't know that until I played this right. album. From real blues to really mellow yacht rock. Pablo Cruz, this album <laughs> wow. is Reflector. Now, what year? That's uh, mid seventies or something, right? No, well, sure. 80, 81. Wow. And uh, this is after what you're going to do, and Love Will Find a Way, right? Yeah, yeah. But it had seventies um, hits. They had one hit on it, Cool Love, Cool Love. That was kind of big. Hmm. I got this because when I was in the RCA record club, if you didn't mail your card in in time, you got the record of the month. And I ended up loving it. I really liked it. It's a good album. smooth. Hmm. But you know you're a yacht rock or a California smooth band when you wear these kind of hats. Look at this guy. I don't know if you can see it, but um, he's got like a a yacht hat on, you know. (laughs) He's got a captain's hat on? Is it a yacht hat or is it the Greek fisherman cap? No, it's a yacht hat. Definitely. He's sitting okay. on his yacht, man. <laughs> He's like, no, uh, John Penelzer from Sticks used to dress like a Navy guy, didn't he? Didn't he wear yeah, like, yeah. naval outfits? <laughs> <laughs> but good album. Slick, but good. I wonder. What, what was up with that? Oh, Lou, you know who produced it? Tom Dowd. Right. Uh, 
No shit. What, yeah. Pablo Cruz? Yeah. Tom Were they on Atlantic a, Records? Man. God damn. A&M. That guy. Now, okay, folks, we're just talking about Westwood, New Jersey. Legendary music producer Tom Dowd lived in Westwood, New Jersey for a while. All right? There I didn't know that. Wow. Uh, I mentioned that when we did our bio of him. Yes, I don't, I don't know what year. I'm, I'm, it's probably early 70s, I would say. Whenever he was working in New York. But Interesting. Where he lived in, I'm imagining he lived probably in Westwood, wherever he had lived. Back over, across from Zion Lutheran. Over the creek. On Hurlman Avenue. section of town. Over, yeah. the, over the creek, yeah. 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 Old an Irish gangster's daughter. That, that was the exclusive <laughs> area. We, walked through, we would walk through that neighborhood and people would be looking at us like, get out of here. You're middle class, you know? So. Yeah, right. In Westwood. Yep. Okay. So when I went through my import record buying phase and wasted all my newspaper money, I bought Sting's Bring on the Night, which was a live album. He released it right after his Great debut album. solo album, Dream of the Blue Turtles. And it was 14, for this price, fourteen ninety nine at Coconuts on Route 4 in Paramus. That's a lot of money for Coconuts. when it came out. fourteen ninety nine for an album? But double album uh, import double? back in no, 80, double album. Oh, double album. It, that could 84? have been a police yeah. song. That could have been on a police record. Uh, 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 how was the song? How was the sound quality? I mean, I, Freaking I haven't awesome. seen the movie Bring on the Night. Okay, good, good. good. The only problem I have Omar with Hakeem it. Omar on drums. Yeah, the only problem I have with it. You know in the movie when they do Burning for You and Omar Hakeem does it at the end, he just goes ballistic? The yes. performance they put on this album, it doesn't go off on that. Like, it's different performances. So I was playing it, hoping to hear that, oh. and it just stays low. But uh, the opening bummer, song, bummer. Uh, Bring yeah, on the that Night. That was one of the highlights of the movie. Yes, it was. Um, my highlight, though, was the opening song is Bring on the Night, and then they go into When the World is Running Down, you take make the best of what's still around. And they go into that long jam with the rap and everything. That's great. Yeah. Mm. Great album. Okay. Putting it back in its, remember these? When you got an import album, you got that, that thick sleeve, you know? Putting that away. Next up, this is a collector's item. I think it's actually worth a lot of money these days. You'll die if you can see the cover. It's hilarious. It's Quiet Riot 2 with Randy Rhodes on guitar. And they were a total glam band. <laughs> oh, God. Hanging out with a football team. Quiet Riot. There's Randy Why Rhodes. Why the hell was he in that band? Why, why was he there? He was, uh, they were getting, they were going that was, that was That was one of his early gigs, right? Yep. Now, this is embarrassing. Look at Randy, uh, right? Whoop, 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 whoop. See, see Randy with we'll his. have to. Nah, but he's got his like. Uh, I can't. I can't get my finger to work. But he's got his hands, his finger on his lips, going. Oh, it's dear. A girl group. You know, they look like a girl group. Actually, you know what? I don't like the album. I bought it. I paid a lot of money for it. It's it's like, it's considered a, the most rare album, and I bought a ton. Of, I think I paid like fifty bucks for it, and I played it, and I was like, oh. There's a reason he went to Ozzy. All right, Perry, this is for you because I know this is one of your favorite albums. I, I also I, I forgot I forgot he was in Quiet Riot before Ozzy. Yeah, yeah, two albums right? with uh with uh Quiet Riot. So yeah. now when Quiet Riot had come on Feel the Noise, he wasn't there. No, so that was at the same time as, as the Blizzard, Blizzard of Menlo Park, or Blizzard, yeah. <laughs> Blizzard of Oz, whatever it was going. On. The Blizzard of Teaneck, the yeah. Blizzard of Barnesville. <laughs> the blizzard of saddlebrook there he is right over there 
Um, okay, so next up is we know Perry really loves this album, and I'm going to read the back. Kilroy was just a man whose circumstances went beyond his control. Kilroy was here from Sticks. <laughs> and I hear Perry's patented, Jesus. <laughs> they were trying to be Pink Floyd with the uh, wall imagery and everything, you know. And Yeah. yeah, so. yeah. But I was a Sticks fan. I, I I'm, I'm, Mark, one time I'm driving in the car with uh, Max, wife, Louis' mom. And Louis' brother's maybe six years old in the car, and Babe comes on. We're listening. We're kind of quiet. And the baby's on. He goes, in the back seat in his car, he goes, this song sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I actually like that song. It was like, <laughs> it was just, it was just some, child, some child had a rock critic moment. You know? just, <laughs> he wasn't digging. He wasn't digging it at all. <laughs> yeah. I, do? I do like Renegade. I like Renegade. I like Renegade. So. My sticks career, so it's it's Grand Illusion, Pieces of Eight. Those are my two favorite Kiss albums. They put out Cornerstone, which had Babe. It's still a good album. It's got Love at Midnight or uh, the Tommy Shaw. It's got some good stuff on it. Paradise Theater was a really good album. That was that was huge. And I was I was in my eighth grade or seventh grade as Zion because I remember carrying it to school with me. It's like, look, guys, I got Paradise Theater, you know. But uh, yeah, they were good. Just Kilroy, they went off the they went off the deep end, you know. They went too far. So okay, um, all, all, all for the sake of art. Exactly. The nice Keith Emerson before Emerson, Lake and Palmer. Wow. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, that's cool. Five Bridges Suite, which is uh, it's in um, Five Bridges is in Manchester, New Newcastle, and uh, he wrote a suite about it. So and it's also got um. I had trouble. I liked the nice, but I never liked their vocals. The guy that sang, he just wasn't, to me, wasn't that good. But mm. mixing engineer, Eddie Kramer. So Eddie was was uh, involved with this album. Eddie Kramer of Jimi Hendrix fame. Yep. Still going strong. Okay. Or- this next album. Wow. I'm going to say our good buddy, Tom, not Spallone, the other Tom. Spallone. Griffin, schooled me on this Spallone album. Griffin. Yes. Because I thought when it came out, it was an all-original album, Tattoo You, and Tom Griffin told me where each song came from. It was from albums going back to the early 70s. I never knew that. So I was like, it's not a, a really an original album. They just threw together a bunch of tracks, and they had a wildly successful So they album. didn't actually go into the studio to record it? They just had some engineer <clears throat> put it on a friend. track that were already recorded? So the story is... Um, they they had to go out on tour and they wanted to have an album out, but they just weren't able to get in the studio. So uh, I forgot the guy that did it. He got together. He got all a bunch of old stuff together and, and clamored it all together. Waiting on a friend goes back to Goat's Head Soup, I believe. That's like way back. Are, are you sure? Are you oh. sure? Yes. Look it up. Go back. The, and, the, yeah. That's Sonny Rollins, Rollins on saxophone. That correct? may have been overdubbed. But the song itself, the original tracks, huh, really? look it up. There's there's a if you Google Tattoo okay. You, you'll see where each song came from. Some came from the uh, Black and Blue sessions, uh, okay. some girl sessions. The saxophone like that, does you know? sound like it was overdubbed. Yeah. It does yeah. sound overdubbed. Yeah. One of the most yeah. disturbing inner sleeves ever. Well, I mean, that's that's just truly disturbing. Yeah. Can't see it. What is it? Oh, it's a uh, it's a hoof. A it's hoof? like a boot. The hoof. It's a hoof, a furry the hoof. hoof. The hoof. Yeah, anyway, what I did like Mom, about this, this side I need to a... this knife. 
Side A is all rock. <laughs> side B is all soul. Hmm. Ah. Okay. Can you name some of the other tracks on that record, Mark? Heaven. I'm Tattoo You. The Top. Take You to the Top. Um, Little TNA. Black Limousine. Uh, that's one of my favorite songs. Which one? Now, you, you tell me, a Little TNA is from an earlier album. It's an ass. Also, uh-huh. yeah, my little well, it bitch just could have been leftover tracks <laughs> that they weren't released on a certain record. You know, that, that's right, what they were. Right. All the tracks came I'm, from. I'm, yeah, I'm, just I'm, I'm just wondering how far back some of these tracks may go. Like, uh, I a think, little TNA sounds like something that was written for some girls. It is. If, I think it not is for emotional Maj- rescue. Majority of the tracks were from the emotional rescue sessions, but yeah, it's like okay. some girls that definitely mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it goes as far back as Goat's Head Soup. In fact, Mick Taylor threatened to sue the band because he's on a couple songs, so they ended up giving him royalties after the fact. So good for him. Yeah, yeah. They 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 uh, took care of Mick. Yeah, there were some legal yeah. things going on. Yep. But that's best the corporation they ever for had. you. Yeah. No, do you guys think he? I think he was the best guitarist they ever had. Am I? Am I? What do you think? I think Mick is very similar to Peter Green in so many ways. The perfect wow. playing, the the nice soloing. Yes, he's 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 great. Um, that was good. The, uh, good. Yeah, the, I, I think that, that's the richest period of their music. I think. Yeah, as far as that's, the that's one of my goes, I favorites. I don't like uh, yeah. out of like I like Brian Jones. I like the, that period mm-hmm. too. But I, what I like least is the Ronnie Wood uh, era. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The, the, that's a modern era. Some girls is uh, that's the last Great Stones record. I think. Well, there's a lot yeah, of people that would say Tattoo that's You. All, that's also, that's also, yeah, that's Woody's first record with them, too. Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah. speaking of that, there was, uh, you know, you know, everybody's doing tributes to Jeff Beck, so I was just watching something the other day, and it was the Rolling Stones, and Mick's like, we have a special guest comes out, and Jeff Beck comes out, you know, with his boots wow. and his bedazzled, <laughs> you know, wristbands and all that stuff, you know, but... uh and, you know, Woody was really getting into it because they worked together, Ron Wood in, in the past, and Jeff Beck. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Jeff, you know, he leans over to uh, – he goes over by Keith, and he starts acting like Keith. You know, he starts doing a little step that Keith does, and Keith gives him a little <laughs> a little push out of the way and a laugh, you know. Thought off, you fucker. Yeah, it was pretty funny, actually. <laughs> Well, uh, I read an interview with Jeff Beck once when they were look- when Stones were looking for a guitar player after Mick Taylor left. He said he was at a party and Mick and Keith were talking and pointing at him, and they both approached him. And he said right. for like ten minutes, it scared the shit out of me that I might actually become a member of the Rolling Stones. He didn't. He knew. Don't become a member of that band. He couldn't say. Just, n- he couldn't say no. It, it wouldn't have worked. It, it wouldn't have worked. No, no. fuck no. Well, you know, he's he's he marches to the beat of his own drum, so right. he was like, "I'm going to be part of this corporation." No, you know, once yeah, he would have been thrown in. out of the band or left the band. Yeah, yeah. he would have quit yeah. mid tour. You know, <laughs> yeah, probably. So, yeah. I also I also didn't think he played, probably probably didn't want to get sucked into that whole milieu. You know what I mean? The yeah. whole yeah, stones machine. To, and... Yeah, he had to move on. Yep. He would have yeah, been well, incredibly bored playing that music. Sure, he would have. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sure he would have. Yeah. 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 Yeah, cool. Okay. What else you got? Next up is an album cover that we know Tom Spallone influenced. Uh, you see this guy on the cover? Can you see it? That's definitely Tom yeah. Spallone. That is Tom Spallone. And it's Super Tramp. It's Donald, it's Donald Fagan. 
it's crisis what crisis. But I could see if the world collapsed, Tom would get a chair and sit down with a drink. Yeah. And just say goodbye, everybody. I've heard him. Uh, I've heard him talk about that album cover on the uh, he, Scott McLean show. It. Yeah, yeah. He admitted that was him. <laughs> cool. It's good. I have a love hate relationship with Super Tramp. I love some of their stuff, and I have trouble getting into some of their stuff. So it's yeah. like half and half, you know. Yeah. And my last album is a bootleg. One of the millions of Jimi Hendrix bootlegs. It's called Jimi Hendrix. They put a lot of thought into that. But these were recordings from the Scene Club in New York City, and it's the most drunken jam, and George uh, Jim Morrison is there singing. I will not repeat the words he sang, but it's incredibly filthy. Do it. And he's, he's just, no, 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 no. When, when was that? Because Send, I'll, I'll do it. Send him to me. Okay. Uh, okay. F your baby. F her up the A. That's what he's singing. Oh and he's so God. drunk. He's so drunk oh that you boy. hear J uh, Jimi Hendrix going, Jim, Jim, sing in here. Sing into the microphone. Sing into the microphone. Because he was just wow. like slobbering, falling off stage and everything. But I remember there was a time where uh, Eddie, uh, Jimi uh, Hendrix, wanted to buy a club. He wanted to buy that club I think you're talking about. Really? They wanted to buy a club. Absolutely. Mm. And uh, mm. him and, you know, his manager. And I think they ended up. I think where Electric Lady uh, Studios is used to be a club or something at one point, and mm. they converted it into a studio. Yeah, better that than a club. Um, by the way, just the the you know bootleggers a lot of time made up their own song titles, so they called that song with Jim Morrison. They call it Uranus Rock. <laughs> God, but uh, he does a version of Bleeding Heart on this. His guitar on this, I just remember that his guitar sound on this is like. It's like you had Joe Satriani has that very trebly over the top distorted sound. Hendrix had that on this recording. He was just ripping. I mean, it's so yeah. loud. Yeah, it's a good. It's, when you it's said that, you meant like the planet Uranus, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uranus okay. rock. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it. I didn't have ten. I didn't want to repeat anything. That's all I got. <laughs> Hopefully, I can get over there and get my albums. I'm going to actually get them up here next to my desk here. I'm going to have the the whole shelf put up in here i know it's been two years i've been planning that so then i'll just be able to reach over well let's just uh you know let's maybe we should uh just kind of close out the show right sure sure and don't uh, go. It, it's, it's only like two hours and two minutes don't no, go yeah so mark yeah. what else can you see us besides liking and subscribing on youtube and facebook well if you like you what you hear on? definitely please subscribe to us because uh you can watch every week but we're also available on Spotify, mm -hmm. Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podchaser, Pocket Casts, Overcast, YouTube, and Facebook. And the key thing with Facebook is I put up whole songs that we talk about. So you will be able to hear some uh, Key Lime Pie if you go to Facebook in a couple days. Because the guy that runs it, sometimes he's lazy and it takes him a couple days. You know, he's got this wine thing going. Yep. But, um, but Love doing and wherever, it. And, and uh, wherever you find your pod, wherever you listen to podcasts from, whatever server you get it from, you can just type in music relish podcast. If you like it, and, subscribe. Yeah. We've also got some private pictures on Plastercast. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm Irish. Uh, that one hurts. That one fucking hurts. Shut up. I'm on it. <laughs> Where's HR? Where's the music relish HR? <laughs> uh, 
Oh, there were, oh, there were Hendricks and Morris and everyone else. We were on there, folks. So if you want to look, go, to, go take a look. Yeah. Look at our Ex- names. Yeah. Except for Mark. He didn't. And, uh, <laughs> it's cold out there, folks. And, and if you want to complain about Lou's craftiness, you can complain at music rollers podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Come see me. Come see me. <laughs> Actually, Lou, looking at those lights, when are we going up on the mothership? Come join me. Lou, I got my wallet out. I'm going to give you all my money. Give me all your, Come join me on the right ship. Right now, he looks We're like he's got, soon. he has like purple velvet slippers on or purple velvet robe. <laughs> Nikes. Kool-Aid. <laughs> Kool-Aid. Ah, you shut it off. So hey, Perry. We, yeah. Perry. As a bot, you're getting much better with your artificial intelligence. I got to tell you. <laughs> well, Scott McLean, Jack Calabrese, Bill Crates and Turntables. Great show. And uh, Tommy Spallone. Tommy Spallone. Haven't seen him in a while. Haven't heard from him in a while. He'll be back. If we have to beat him back, he'll be back. Scotty McLean, Jackie Calabrese. Louis, Louis Colicchio. Marky Smith. Marky, Marky Mark. Smith. What is it? McDarvish. McDarvish Cahoots. So I'm gonna I'm gonna have to be skit. It's McGillicuddy. That'll be McDarvish me. Cahoots. <laughs> My name is McDarvish Cahoots. I love this song after all these years. La 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 system of a down. La 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 We are a music relish podcast. I will re-record the solo if it kills me. No, you won't. Goodbye. No, you won't. Good night. (laughs) See ya. Bye. Ain't happening.